The meeting is now called to order. We begin to acknowledge that the land on which we gather and that which is currently known as the city of West Hollywood is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabrielino Tongva and Gabrielino Kritz people. Um, Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, Commissioner Berger, would you lead us? Commission Secretary, can I get a roll call, please? Commissioner Berger? Here. Commissioner Oliver? Here. Commissioner Roman? Commissioner Steele? Vice Chair Balbone? Here. Chair Hallman? Here. Please note that Commissioner Steele will be in a bit. Same with Commissioner Roman. Thank you. We have you. quorum. Thank you. Um, item four is the approval of our agenda. Are there any changes to tonight's agenda? No changes from staff. Commissioners? Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. Second. Thank you. Uh, Commission Secretary, can I please get a roll call? Commissioner Berger? Aye. Commissioner Oliver? Aye. Vice Chair Balbone? Yes. Chair Hallman? Yes. The agenda has been approved. Thank you. Uh, now moving on to the approval of our minutes. Uh, are there any changes to the minutes from our December 9th, 2022 meeting? That was so long ago. No. No. So the only question that I have is, um, I think we had given specific direction for items to include in the report. I just want to confirm that those got into the report and that we're good on those recommendations from the last meeting. Um, and Vice Chair Bilbo, do you know, do you remember which ones they were I by chance? I believe we said we wanted the, um, <laughs> pardon me, the um, drink test spiking strips to be distributed at least once per quarter, formally, and that we wanted to reconvene as a group to discuss um, progress on nightlife safety. safety. Got it. So, so yeah. So for the uh, drink um, test spiking um, kind of distribution efforts, as well as the nighttime safety, I planned on giving an update um, following the December 19th City Council meeting, which occurred after we had met, um, which was our last commission meeting right in December, which I think was the ninth. Um, so I plan on giving an update regarding that because actually um, both of those items is something that uh, were discussed, and so I think it would be pertinent. And I'll provide an update then, that, if that's okay. 
Um, any other questions? Uh, do you have a motion to approve the minutes? So moved. Second. Thank you. Um, Commission Secretary, can I get another roll call, please? Commissioner Berger? Aye. Commissioner Oliver? Aye. Commissioner Steele? Aye. Vice Chair Balbone? Aye. Chair Hallman? Aye. Also just want to um, let everyone know that Commissioner Steele is now with us. Thank you. Minutes have been approved. Um, public comments. Commission Secretary, do we have any public comments in chambers? We don't have any public comments in chambers. Do we have any on Zoom? Um, hi, Chair. Um, I know that we have uh, two phone numbers that dialed in, so I will um, call on them to see whether or not they have items um, unassociated with what's on the agenda this evening that they'd like to speak about, or if there are specific um, items that they'd like to speak about, um, then we would wait at that time uh, for them to uh, participate. So let me just switch to our Zoom feature. Great, thank you. Um, and so with the phone number, uh, with the last four digits of 0514, if there are items that you'd like to speak about um, that are not on the agenda, um, please press star six um, and you would have um, two minutes to speak. Um, if not, if you have a specific item um, on the agenda that you would like to speak about, if you could let us know now and then we'll make sure to queue you up at that time. Good evening, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, good evening, Public Safety Commissioner. Mikey Friedman, 43-year resident and person living with a disability. And as you may know, because of the dangers of illegal sidewalk scooter riding and dumping, I am circulating and have been for the last week a petition through change.org to ban scooters in West Hollywood because people should have a voice in a decision like that and sadly, we haven't had one. So far, I've received 315 signatures of Weehoans who want scooters banned. And I decided to call in today because I'm very concerned about the city council dumping the LASD and substituting a municipal police department and jamming this move also down our throats, much like they have jammed other ideas like scooters, out zones, bike, bike lanes, gender-neutral bathrooms, and other programs all done without any public discussion at all. In fact, we should have a town hall. However, in this case, we've got to talk. This is far too big a decision for the public not to be involved. This is our city, not the unions, not Nika Soon Xiong's, not, the, not outside interests, not the unilateral decision of the city council. So, bottom line, I think it should be put on the ballot to see how the public feels. Let's vote on it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mikey. If, uh, if the last uh, four digits of 12-4, I'm sorry, 12-46, um, last four digits of 12-46, 
if you would like to speak on an item that is not on the agenda, and I see that we actually just lost, um, no, I'm sorry, uh, 12.46 still there. Are you there? Hello, last four digits of 12.46. Would you like to speak at this time or would you like to wait for a specific item to be called to speak at that time? Can you not hear me? We, we can, yes. Okay, it, I think I keep muting myself by accident. Hi, Danny. Uh, Genevieve Morrill, West Hollywood Chamber, President CEO. I'm just listening in tonight. Thank you. I didn't know there wasn't a Zoom link. I was hoping to be able to see you as well, but um, just wanted to say hello to the um, commissioners. Thanks, Jen, and we could hear you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Um, any more public comments waiting in Zoom? Uh, no, I believe we're good at that time in terms of Zoom. Okay, thank you. Um, next, we move on to commissioner comments. And before I open it up to the floor, I just want to make a few myself. Uh, the first one is I was extremely honored to be asked by our newly appointed assemblyman, Rick Chavez Zibert, to be one of his escorts at his swearing-in. Um, it was a great honor for me, and it was a wonderful event. Um, I also recently attended the city CPR training, which um, it's a lot to take in. Um, and I'm nervous. I pray that I'm never in that situation, but um, it was a great course. And then finally, I sat on the committee, which interviewed several consultant agencies on behalf of the city's municipal police force feasibility study, which is item 9A on our agenda tonight. Um, it was actually a great experience for me, and I will share more when we get to that item. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, does anyone else have a comment? I do. <clears throat> I do. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'd like to uh, just put out there a, an app. If you do get nervous in any of those situations, a choking situation, CPR, whatever, there's an app that you can get on your phone. It's by the Red Cross, and it's a first aid app, and you can bring that up, and it has um, explanation exactly what to do, diagrams, and some even some movement. So if you ever get into that situation and forget those things that we've learned, it's a great app to have. Yeah, it's interesting you would mention this because I have downloaded the app. Um, I did it at the training, I just haven't looked at it yet. But um, now that you have mentioned what's on the app, I will definitely review it, thank you. Um, any other commissioner comments? Yes, Vice Chair Balbon. Um, so uh, it is February 13th, so tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and that day always held a sacred spot in my heart until about five years ago um, when the Parkland shootings happened. Um, my family was impacted greatly by that. My nephew is a student at the school. My heart goes out to the people suffering in Monterey Park right now because everyone thinks that mass shootings won't happen to them until it does. And then it rips a lot of 
what you feel sacred and your safety away. So my heart goes out to those people. Five years tomorrow, it happened in my family, and I would just like the city to continue to do all of the educational work they've done, the um, mass shooter training, and the other work that's going on is completely imperative. We just saw what happened in Monterey Park, so I just want to highlight that. And then the other thing that I wanted to note is um, this week, the Civilian Oversight Commission is meeting on the 16th for anyone on the Safety Commission and who'd like to attend. It's 9 to 1 p.m. on Thursday. This is the group that oversees the sheriff in the, depart in the county of Los Angeles. They have um, a report on the OIG scheduled on the agenda. They have public comment. It's very interesting to attend to hear some of what's happening with oversight. Um, if you are interested in attending, you can go to um, coc.lacounty.gov and you can attend either in person, you can attend online, you can actually pull up past meetings, um, but anyone interested in the oversight of the sheriffs in the county of Los Angeles, that's available to you. Thank you. Thank you. Any additional comments? All right, we're moving on to item 8A, um, report from our fire chief. And also, um, commissioners, just a friendly reminder so we can stay on schedule. Um, please keep your um, questions and comments to three minutes when addressing our different agency departments. Good evening, Chief. Good evening. Uh, glad to be back. It doesn't seem like it was that long. I guess it, it has been a little bit, but it's always great to be in person. So first, I want to start out by thanking you for your support, the Los Angeles County Fire Department and your firefighters of West Hollywood and your fire family is doing just fine, staying busy, and uh, we are doing great. As far as our run stats for December and January, uh, as far as fires for the combined two months, we had 21 fires, and there were some that I'll talk about here in a little bit, but we had 21 for the course of two months. We had a total of 859 medical calls, and we transported 285 uh, patients. And so there was quite a bit of activity as far as our medical components were for the last, uh, for those two months. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary, it's just it was busy with winter time. And as we know, as we get into summertime, things swing with different types of medical emergencies. So this is common for this time of year, I guess, with uh, people being sick because of winter and such. So your uh, EMS portion of the fire department was very busy. Uh, we had seven hazardous uh, condition calls. We had zero hazmat calls. We had 48 service calls for the two months. We had 272 good intent calls, and total call volume was at uh, 1,207, so that still puts us at average in West Hollywood at about 20 runs per shift within West Hollywood between the two fire stations. So. Uh, just looking through the numbers as comparison, I didn't see anything uh, that was out of balance, if you will. Everything looked uh, very well. A couple things I wanted to talk about, as you know, is I always talk about the rubbish fires, dumpster fires that lead. So that was um, um, about at average, but there's still a concern. So I know that 
with our law enforcement, with your fire department, we're out there actively because we're out and about quite a bit. So we do take quick action on those. But as you know, they do lead to bigger fires. So that's one concern that we always have with um, with uh, rubbish and dumpster fires. We did have um, series of vehicle fires. And not in this report, but I'll talk to it. We had one on Fountain the other day. It was actually two in the same day, four hours apart. And I want to give you the why. One of them is it was not arson. So just a little factual is we had a vehicle that had mechanical challenges, if you will, pulled into the underneath the parking area and then caught fire. Then subsequently, we went back several hours later and that was due to the damaging cars that were next to it. One was a, a hybrid type of vehicle. And so through the, um, through the investigative process, if you will, and it happens, is that it, the electric vehicle or hybrid vehicle reignited because it was damaged. It was left in the parking structure. The fire was out, but it went through a phase of its electronics that short circuit caused it to overheat. So that's why that second fire happened at the same occupancy. So it wasn't malicious. It was one of those mechanical things that, you know, you put the fire out and then you have damage to the vehicle and it went through its process and it didn't like that process, so it overheated and caught fire. So I was concerned, but then once I talked to our cause investigators, they gave me the why, and I go, oh, who knew? So routinely, after we have a fire of some sort, if it makes sense to have it towed because it's a hazard or threat, we'll do that. Or if it's out, it's out, and then we put it, the responsibility onto the owner to take it to whatever facility, whether it's gonna to be to get repaired or a junkyard. So we saw that at that point in time, um, that nothing needed to happen because the fire was out. But now with this being done, that we will identify some things differently. And so with, um, we can't pinpoint it to a certain manufacturer at all, but just know that with the technologies that are out there in these vehicles, it brings different set of challenges. And so just remember a lot of times with our business, we get the test before they, we get the lesson. And so this was a lesson. Any questions on that? On any of those? Okay. Any questions? Anything? Okay. Yeah, interesting, right? Um, and then the positives. Yes, ma'am. I know that there was um, a fire in Laurel Canyon, and I know that's not our area, but huh? also a vehicle fire. Mm-hmm. Similar, different, yeah, completely different. Um, I don't scenario. have any information on that one. Besides, I know there was, but there was no connection between. There wasn't a rash of somebody lighting vehicles on okay. fire uh, that I know of, or has been relayed through um, our agencies. We haven't, we haven't seen that. So. And I'm really curious about the electronic vehicle. I don't know if that might have been a situation for that other fire, but. I, I don't. I don't know that. Okay. I don't, I don't know. And is there anything that you're finding that we should, other than towing them after a fire, um, which sounds like a good idea, is there anything that we should be thinking about? So um, the first fire that happened was not an electric vehicle. It was just an older vehicle that um, was, had a bad day. <laughs> so the second vehicle, though, was because of the, the components of the newer vehicle and the hybrid type of technologies. So as far as anything we can do different, 
I, I don't know what we could do okay. differently because there was no charging station in there or anything that was retrofitted. It was just pure circumstance that it happened. Okay. So I Thank don't you. see anything that we need to improve on at this time. Or I have uh, a question for a couple of comments for staff. Staff. Um, he brought up, um, first of all, the stats when, when he's going over the stats, if you could put those up on the, on the screen and for the, and for the upcoming. And also, um, we discussed the rubbish fires and we've been discussing those every time that you've come. And I just wanna check with staff, did that get to council and is that gonna remain on our work plan because we had some good discussions and some ideas um, where are we with that one? And I'm sorry, Commissioner Burger, which one is that? It was, it was the rubbish fires. The rubbish. the rubbish fires, like preventative kinds of ideas and things. Um, we had some discussion, we've been having discussions on that because it continues to be brought up here. Um, did that go on to our work plan? It, or is, I don't remember if we made a formal uh, recommendation to go to council on that. I didn't think that we did, Commissioner Berger. What I recall is um, Director Revis was having a larger dialogue about fire safety and was going to advance those thoughts and we were gonna leave it to them to do that work, but we didn't discuss it being on the work plan or make any council suggestions that I recall. Um, can we put that on our work plan? Uh, and, and I'm sorry, Commissioner Merger. So when you mean like the rubbish fires, are you talking about the trash container yeah, we, fires yeah, that yeah, were yeah, discussed a couple uh -huh. of times? And a couple, I think it was Commissioner Roman that actually mentioned that there was something that could be done in terms of locking mm -hmm. the trash container. So no, that was not something that got um, sent to city council. I think I responded to that during the commission meeting at that time in terms of stating that we do already have a process in place for folks to be able to take advantage of if they are experiencing issues, uh, fires um, such as those. Um, but I would have to get with Chief Smith to actually see um, the data to support that, um, that those are a problem and that that is something that um, we're experiencing because I, you know, I did hear it a couple of months back. I don't hear it every month, but again, I know there's a process already in place um, with Athens, our waste hauler provider, um, for businesses um, and even residential properties that are having problems, and then they would request that, um, and then there is a locking mechanism that would be placed, and that locking mechanism, the key is provided to the drivers, um, and that's something that code enforcement even gets involved in um, at times, because when we have certain situations where uh, the locks um, uh, aren't resecured um, after uh, you know trash has been serviced. Um, then at times, right, the residents will bring that to the property management's attention of the building or they'll report it to code and then we kind of are the uh, mediators to make sure that those issues uh, get addressed. So um, I, I didn't understand that there was any further follow-up, but I can certainly follow up again with Chief Smith um, to see like if that information, um, looking at the stats maybe in the last calendar year to see if we are experiencing a trend regarding that. that well, I'm just thinking all, there's always room that we can improve and to accept even five or whatever it is, um, we, we shouldn't accept that. We should try to get it down to zero. There's always something that we can do. Um, and I'm just thinking, because he's bringing this up again and it's, 
these are dangerous because they can light the whole apartment complex on fire. So I don't want to just let that go and say, well, that's acceptable. Um, I just, I want to, I, I want to find a way that we can pursue something to, uh, ways to improve it. Okay, so I'll, I'll speak with Chief Smith okay. um, to see exactly what um, he was referring to in this incident, and, and then we'll look back at the last year, um, and then, you know, we'll return back uh, to the commission. Okay, uh, and, and then the next thing was, um, we discussed before, uh, uh, the trend is increasing with technology sort of caused fires, overloads, and things like that in apartment buildings, people using things that we didn't used to have. And I think that this uh, new incident with technology with the car, that might be able to fall under that as well. Um, so we talked about ways of preventative ways of ways down to bring that down even lower and to sort of foresee into the future of um, our existing buildings and ways to educate our people um, preventing this sort of thing in the future because it seems like it's going to do nothing but increase. Yes, th thank you, Commissioner Berger. Um, I think this incident in terms of what uh, Chief Smith had reported to the commission on regarding the, the vehicle um, fire um, on Fountain, I was in communication with Chief Smith who is 100% completely separate mm -hmm. um, than the overloading of the outlets that were discussed at the last commission meeting. Um, so I don't see them as being one, but separate. Um, in terms of the overloading, um, I did provide an update in the tracking requests a spreadsheet that's attached to this agenda. I'm happy to go over it, obviously, at the time when the item is called and providing you with a follow-up on, on where we were at with building and safety and kind of their response to us. Okay, time. thank you. Sure. Thanks. Great. All right, thank you. Um, commissioners, do we have any additional questions for our fire? Was the report fully finished? I had one more. Oh. One more thing. You saw me? You do mind reading this well? Perfect. Sorry, yeah, please so we're continue. In, uh, we're in preparation for the LA Marathon, so we'll be once again in unified command with uh, Los Angeles City Fire Department, with our sheriff's partners, with our LAPD partners, public works, uh, um, all the agencies, so we have a successful um, event and it will be coming through West Hollywood near uh, West Hollywood firefighters will be prepared we're um, happy to be part of this and um, last three years that we've done or three times I'll say since we had a break is uh, we were highly successful so we learned from the last we're gonna keep improving so uh, we're looking forward to the next big event we have which is going to be the LA Marathon that's going to be going through West Hollywood um, what's the date for the marathon? Is it in, it's in March, has, right, typically? I think Danny has that at his fingertips right now. I put him, see how you like that, how I diverted it right over across the March way? 18. There you go, March 18th. March 18th. We're good, Director Rebus. <laughs> okay, good. all right. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually um, didn't know the date. I knew it at one time, but I didn't have it off the top of my head. Thank you. Okay. But that's all I have. Is there any other additional questions for me? I have a quick one on that. Um, I don't know if it's you guys or the sheriff's department who put the, um, and we, we have done it in the past, I don't know if we're doing it now, is the sort of barriers on the side streets that are filled with water, so you can't have a car come in and just run everybody over. 
Correct. So um, with the unified command structure, we have the whole streets component that works with um, the sheriff so we can have a traffic plan. We have to look at how we need to get our equipment um, to certain locations, but the law enforcement component working with, and I'll say it generically, the streets component, whether it be the city or county, work together on building that traffic plan for that public safety component. So it's not a fire. Um, we don't set where those barriers are gonna go. We look at what the plan is so we can modify our access to make sure that we can um, meet the emergency needs. So it's, it's well planned out and well developed. And so that's how that all comes together. And if we have, if you'd like to, to see how some of that planning process goes, um, I can invite you to one of the big planning meetings that we have uh, so you can see how the machine really works and how this all comes together. It's, it's pretty neat. I think you'd be impressed. That would be great, actually. Um, I had a couple items, Chair. Sure. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I would love that, so thank you for offering that um, invitation. I wanted to thank you for clarifying on the arson. I've heard the term used a couple times now out and about, and I do think it's really important to clarify that for folks and that everyone here is aligned um, so we can message out appropriately. Um, and on the tips, to, to follow up on what Commissioner Berger was mentioning, we did talk about some of this, the tips and the you know new electronics and all those things around the holidays, and I didn't see... Um, the things that we had noted put out in the communications um, that were released. And so I just wanted to note it. I think if it's a space thing and if it just didn't, you know, kind of fit and maybe you have to look at it for future, obviously fine. Um, but I suspect it was also a time thing because it was very close to the end of the year. Uh, and so that's a pretty tight turnaround to get out holiday programming. Um, and so, but I thought there was some real great um, additions from the body, specifically Vice Chair Balbone offered some great thoughts about um, adding some things in for gift giving and electronics and some of the things that Commissioner Berger just mentioned. So I would just like to suggest that we, um, I know we're all trying to work as far ahead as possible, but when it comes to maybe just external communications, maybe we can work a quarter ahead so we can get ahead of holiday programming and safety, you know, the quarter before Pride, let's be, you know, second quarter, let's be looking at what we need to be messaging out for Pride safety come Q3, and then Q3, let's be dialoguing about what's to come in Q4 for the holiday season. So just a suggestion. Sounds great. We can do that. Um, commissioners, any other questions for our wonderful fire chief? Cool. Thank you. All right. Well, thank appreciate you, sir. Appreciate the support. It's always a pleasure. Hey, Chair. If I could just uh, comment briefly, um, I've gotten a few communications that I guess some of the audio is coming through a little low. So just as a reminder for um, uh, those partners that are gonna be uh, providing reports uh, for uh, uh, the audience of any public commenters and the commissioners, we just make sure our mics are turned on and then maybe getting as close to it as, as possible. Um, we don't know whether or not it's maybe some potential audio issues or maybe we're not getting close enough to the mic. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay, thank you, Director Rivas. And with that, um, you reminded me, do we have any public comments for the fire chief? You may not be off the hook yet. <laughs> no, we're good? No comments in chambers. All right, thank you. 
Um, next on our agenda is our monthly sheriff's report, um, which will be given by um, Sergeant Jason Duran, who I believe is taking over from um, Sergeant Yost, correct? Good evening. So just a quick brief introduction. Uh, my name is Sergeant Jason Duran. I've been here at the West Hollywood Sheriff's Station for uh, pretty much half my career. I've been on the department for 24 years and I will be taking over as the service area sergeant for uh, West Hollywood. I've met some of you. I look forward to working with all of you. Uh, let me jump right into things. We have a lot of material to cover. Um, I'll start with the month of December for some of our breakdowns with our part one crimes. Uh, for the month of December, West Hollywood Station personnel handled 1,568 calls for service. Uh, 48 of the, or 84 of those were emergency response calls. Uh, deputies made 49 felony arrests and 110 misdemeanor arrests in that month. Uh, West Hollywood Station Part 1 crime was down that month 3% from the previous year. There was 168 incidents compared to December of 2021 with 173. The West District was down 20%, City Center was up 31%, and the East Side was up 22%. When you break it down by district um, and the number of crimes, the West District had 88 incidents, City Center was 42, and the East was 38. Uh, overall, our crime numbers continue to be driven by theft, which includes grand theft, petty theft, uh, vehicle burglaries that, that accounted for the majority of all the Part 1 crimes in December. There were 20 pickpocket incidents in December, uh, which is one of the lower numbers that we've had for the year, uh, but it's still high. Uh, our residential burglaries were up from 11, uh, up to 11 compared to last year of 5. Uh, aggravated assaults were down 23%, um, and there were no reported rapes for December of 2022. Uh, our cops and EPT teams continue to conduct weekly operations based on these crime trends, focusing on the areas where the crime is impacted the most. Uh, Traffic-related incidents. There, for December, there was one vehicle versus pedestrian incident on uh, the 13th. There were eight DUI arrests. Five of those were uh, involved with traffic collisions. There was no uh, e-bike or scooter-related incidents, which include citations or collisions in the month of December. Uh, some of the notable incidents that occurred in December, uh, there was an assault that took place at a nightclub where a victim was hit with a glass bottle. Um, it gained some media attention. Uh, the case is being investigated by the West Hollywood Station Detective Bureau. Uh, detectives had made, have had made arrests um, in conjunction with this incident, and the case is currently being submitted to the district attorney. On December 21st, there was an armed carjacking that occurred on the 7900 block of Romaine. Um, the person reported that his vehicle was taken from him with a person with a gun. Uh, the vehicle has since been located, and the detectives continue to investigate the incident. Uh, during the month of December, 20 pickpocket incidents were reported. There were six arrests made in conjunction with those um, reports. Uh, all six arrests were from locations in the Rainbow District from nightlife venues. Uh, let me see here. And then for the 
before I go into January, for the year 2021, Part 1 crime is up 50% compared to the same period from 2021. There were 2,593 incidents, which was a significant increase from the 1,735 in 2021. And again, the majority of the Part 1 crimes continue to be theft-related, grand theft, vehicle burglary, petty theft, things of that nature. Um, any questions for the December items before I move on to the January? Commissioners, any questions for Gordon? I do. I, I, on the on the um, the smash and grab burglars burglaries, um, are you guys finding a way to dial in on that? I know those are like a 15-second crime. Um, what are you doing to? try to prevent those or catch the guys? When it comes to the, um, like the smash and grab style um, burglaries that occur, um, to my knowledge, I don't think we've had anything here in West Hollywood, uh, as of late, um, anything like that. We, we had had some, I think, um, in, in the past when businesses were closed. Um, I think there was one where a vehicle went ramming into the side of a business. Um, so that hasn't really been a focus of anything lately, just because that type of crime here in West Hollywood um, is either non-existent or extremely rare. So uh, what about the catalytic converters thefts? So I, I was going to touch on that um, moving into January. I was going to speak okay. um, regarding catalytic converters and some numbers uh, okay. in relation to that, and then some of the, the things that we're going to move on to try to prevent that from happening. Okay, go ahead. Um, commissioners, before we move on to January, any other December? Share a question. All right, thank you. We can Just move on. thank you for the arrest um, on the pickpockets. Six. I mean, that's Yeah, six, six was a significant number, and it was all done with the help and assistance of local bars and clubs being uh, vigilant in, in their activities at the, at the venues. Okay, for January of this year, uh, we had 1,671 calls for service, 83 of those being emergency response calls. Uh, deputies made 61 felony arrests and 91 misdemeanor arrests. Uh, part one crime was down approximately 5% um, for this month in comparison of last year for January. Uh, we had 184 incidents total compared to the 194 from the previous year. Uh, West District down 6%, uh, City Center down 17%, uh, East Side was up 10% from the previous year. When you break it down by the numbers per district, Westside had uh, 108 incidents, City Center had 33, uh, East had 43. And again, like I said previous to the month, it's continued to be fueled by grand theft, petty theft, uh, vehicle burglaries, predominantly theft-related incidents is what, what are driving these stats. Uh, residential burglaries were up. It was uh, 10 for the month in comparison to six from the previous year. We had a slight increase in aggravated assaults from 15 to 16 this year. Um, there were three reported rapes in January of 2023. Um, I can give you a little bit more information about them, not too much. I know Commissioner Steele in the past or the past meeting, you had some questions regarding that. Um, I can give you some basic information about them, but because of the nature of the incidents, I can't release too much information. Um, all three of the incidents uh, had a alcohol as a factor. Uh, one of them was a um, possible drugging based on the victim's statements. Um, 
Again, our COPS and EPT teams continue to conduct weekly operations based on these crime trends, uh, some of which I'll be addressing just in a second. Uh, Traffic-related incidents, there was no vehicle versus pedestrian collisions in January. There was one vehicle versus a bicyclist reported. There were six DUI arrests, two of which involved traffic collisions. And again, there was no e-bike or scooter incidents um, or citations for the month of December. Um, some notable incidents or some notable information for January. Uh, there were 16 incidents of aggravated assault. Seven arrests were made in conjunction with those incidents. Um, some of them involved uh, what, we, what we consider to be other weapons. Some of them involved knives, and then some of them involved what we call personal weapons. Um, on December 21st, there was an, uh, oops, that was from last. So we have seen um, an increase in catalytic converter uh, thefts. For January, we, we had uh, 13 reported thefts, and in December of last year, we had nine reported thefts. Uh, based on our report data, the thieves are targeting um, primarily Toyotas, and more specifically, Toyota Priuses. Those are the, the majority of our reports that we're getting for. Our COPS team is currently working on a catalytic converter etching uh, event in March. It's basically where you serialize that catalytic converter so that it's tr traceable at this point, um, so that if it does get stolen, we can um, hopefully backtrack who the person was that was basically reselling it for money um, as, a, as a way of deterring the theft or helping deter the theft. And in conjunction with that, we're gonna be doing nighttime operations where we're gonna try to target vehicles that are parked out in the street and conduct more patrol checks for those vehicles. So for example, if we see um, the, the target Toyota Prius out in the street, our nighttime teams are gonna look at those and try to make frequent checks on those and of those areas, because um, typically it's, it's street related that these vehicles are parked out in the streets. Uh, vehicle burglaries have also been on an increase. We had 29 vehicle burglary incidents in January. 20 of those, 24 of those occurred in the west district of the city. So the majority are occurring in the west district of the city for the vehicle burglaries. Uh, there were 18 cell phone pickpocket incidents. Um, our EPT team has continued to work with our nightlife staff, um, all the bars and clubs, to keep them uh, aware of the situation that is still an on, uh, active and ongoing problem for the city. And again, all the uh, part one crimes of the majority of them were theft related, grand theft, vehicle burglaries, things of that nature. Um, touch on one little incident, or not little, but uh, an incident that occurred January 21st. Uh, deputy personnel from the West Hollywood Sheriff's Station located a stolen car driven by a suspect in the area of Santa Monica and La Cienega Boulevard. The suspect began to evade them and a short pursuit ensued. The suspect drove north on Altaloma Road from Holloway Drive. When the suspect reached the end of the cul-de-sac, deputies stopped and prepared to make a felony traffic stop to detain the suspect. The suspect drove the vehicle that in the direction of the deputies that were on foot at this point. A deputy involved shooting occurred. As a result of the shooting, no one was struck. Deputies nearly avoided being struck by the vehicle driven by the suspect. The suspect while fleeing almost hit a pedestrian who had to dive out of the way nearby. The suspect escaped the area. West Hollywood Detective Bureau identified the suspect and um, the suspect had recently been released on parole and has serious felony convictions on his record. 
uh, an arrest warrant was obtained for the suspect. On January 26, the suspect was arrested by the Long Beach Police Department after being involved in a pursuit within their city boundaries, and he was arrested and is in custody today. Um, some upcoming events of note. On Saturday, January 25th, the West Hollywood Sheriff's Station is gonna conduct a dialogue with the deputy. It's scheduled to be at the Dialogue Cafe um, starting at 10 a.m. The event is gonna be geared towards concerns and input from the LGBTQ plus community. Members from the Sheriff's LGBTQ plus community um, advisory committee, I'm sorry, will be present and available for dialogue with the deputies and um, all the community members that attend. Uh, the next event that I would like to speak about is going to be the active shooter forum that we've been discussing and has been discussed here in the meetings, uh, meetings prior. The forum is going to be based um, on information for West Hollywood business um, members, bar staff, managers, security uh, personnel, things like that, to how to uh, prepare for and how to deal with uh, an active shooter or a critical incident if that were to occur. Um, the process um, is going on right now to, to make those arrangements. Our tentative dates for those, uh, that form is gonna be March uh, 8th or 9th is what we're looking to make it happen. We're just trying to get some conf confirmation from some sheriff's department personnel to uh, conduct the training. And that was all for January, if you have any questions. Uh, any questions, Commissioners? Yes, Commissioner Seal. Yes, thank you. Um, so for the three uh, rape incidents, uh, are these all being actively investigated currently? That, um, I do not know. All, um, offhand, I, okay. I don't know. Um, all rape reports, when we get them, are considered what we consider an active report. So somebody will be looking at those and doing some investigation. Whether or not they're still active, I can't say at this point. Okay. Is it possible to get a report back on that or Absolutely. to Danny? Okay, thank you. Um, the catalytic converter, thank you for uh, that information. Super helpful, and I'm really happy to hear about the extra patrols and checks happening in the neighborhoods. Um, is that something that we tell the public about? Does that hurt us? Does that help if we, I mean, you know, protect your Prius kind of a message, just okay. something on social maybe? Or? Um, so when we do our, our etching event, that, that's going to be part of it. We're going to try to do like a social media yeah. uh, campaign where we talk about the event that's going to be coming up and that to be, you know, wary of, of that this is going on in the area and that they're targeting certain types of vehicles. Okay, great. Thank you. And is that something that we amplify on our socials when those go out or can we? Um, I believe, Commissioner, still that we, uh, we did push that out um, through communications when they did the etching event um, last year, but I can certainly work with our communications department when um, we have another round of that, making sure that the community is aware and we'll certainly add some information uh, regarding kind of the, the more frequent types of vehicles, right, that uh, Sergeant Duran had mentioned. Okay, great. Um, thank you. And then I do remember seeing that go out for the last sketching events or etching events, so that's good. Um, so question about the EPT team. Is that now under your umbrella? It is. And welcome, by the way. Thank you. Um, okay, great. I just wanted to note um, again the request to have patrols, oh, sorry, to, to have patrols at the Rainbow District after the 2 a.m. bar close because there's a surge of folks that are, some are staying, some are going, some are going to the after hours. So just want to make sure that's on your radar um, and added to the patrols. Thank you. Um, what was the date of the Dialogue Cafe event for the LGBTQ plus 
Saturday the 25th. It's currently on our uh, West Hollywood Station social media on, uh, I believe, Instagram and Facebook. Okay. Um, we're going to be reposting it again as, as we go on here and gets closer to the date. Okay, great. Um, disappointingly, I don't think that information went to the LGBTQ plus advisory board who just went since I attended that meeting, um, which is where I think sometimes we miss the crossover between these bodies and the importance of that work. So I'll share that with um, some LGBTQ community stakeholders. Um, question, uh, one note, there's drag racing almost nightly on Fountain. I don't know if you've gotten reports of this, um, but it is nightly and it is so dangerous. Um, today I heard somebody racing and it was middle of the afternoon and all I could think about was the number of pedestrians and people walking their dogs on the streets and our seniors who take longer to cross. So just, it's a bit of a concern. Um, so I just want to flag that for you. Okay. Um, and then I had a couple um, just protocol questions. Regarding um, traffic violations, is it required for a citizen to roll their window completely down when they're pulled over, or is it just down to communicate? Um, required? Mm -hmm. um, there, there's no set definition of requirements when it comes to something like that. The, the deputies typically will probably ask them mm -hmm. to roll their window down all the way. Mm -hmm. um, it makes them feel more comfortable. They can uh, better see what's going on inside the car for safety. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if there's some type of drug usage, they might be able to smell more. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's more of a safety concern for us is why we would want them to have it all the way down. And if the citizen has a concern about their safety and they clarify that everybody can hear each other and they'd like to keep the window halfway up, should that be appropriate or is that just a um, it case-by-case case basis, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, I can't speak for one particular incident sure. or another. Um, however, personally, I, I've had that happen to me where somebody didn't want to roll their window down, and I was able to negotiate and, and go okay. through the, the process of the traffic stop with the window not being completely down. Okay, thank you so for that. possible. Thank you. Um, and is there any protocol set for um, handling firearms while holstered? So during a traffic stop or any type of communication with the public, if a firearm is holstered, is, it, is there any protocol about you know, handling uh, the weapon in that, in that instance? You're speaking about the deputy that's doing the traffic stop with mm -hmm. their firearm? Mm -hmm. um, so no, there, there isn't a set protocol for that. Um, that. That's again more based on safety. So for example, if it's a um, dark street late at night that mm -hmm. maybe has a high amount of robberies, a deputy may approach the, a car with his gun out of his holster already. Yeah. Um, typically, um, deputies will, by, by just by nature of being comfortable, put their hand on it just because of how the belt is situated. So it, it may not necessarily be a protocol thing, it's more a safety thing and then more a comfort thing as to the individual deputy, whether they have okay. their hand on the gun or maybe out of the holster. Okay, thank you. On. I'm sorry, I just have a couple quick last items, Chair. Um, one, I just wanted to note that I did not see the drink spiking strips out at the bars that I went to during the Super Bowl. Um, and I think this is one of those things that maybe we dialogue about that later in the agenda, but just wanted to flag that um, since that's a really big day at very crowded spaces and obviously um, heavy drinking. Um, in, in regard to the incident that happened at Trunks um, last, I think technically Saturday um, late, or late Friday, the, we had had a dialogue last meeting about how we're going to action this, how we're going to communicate with the other venues. So um, I'm thrilled to hear about the active shooter training and that that's continuing and we're continuing to expand on that. 
but in case you didn't hear it, um, what we had talked about was when there's an issue at a nightlife venue in the city, um, and you all are made aware, to notify block by block and then let them, so you all can focus on that issue at hand, let them go out and disseminate it to the other bars in nightlife. And I have heard that that did not happen um, for this one. And so and I don't think that's a one uh, body situation. I think it's about rolling the process out and making sure that the city has a stake in that and that we are driving that action and then that the sheriff executes it as well as block by block. But if that's not kind of happening, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about it and we continue to have dialogue about nightlife safety. These are very small things that we could do to inform the venue. So I just, I'd like to see us action that. Um, however, we need to put that in place whether it's communication or counsel, but I think that's um, important. And then the final thing that I had, I know that our um, Arts and Cultural Affairs Commission is having the Drag Queen Story Hour um, coming up and that, that planning's underway, which I'm excited about. And I just wanted to find out, do we already have our um, security plan lined out? Is that um, on your radar? And if so, do we know what that plan is? Especially since we know across the country there's been um, a lot of hate language and folks, you know, some folks actually breaching and trying to go in and cause harm. So I just want to make sure that we're doing our best to get ahead of this and make sure we have a really thorough security plan in place. So, so with uh, an event like that, probably what we'll do is we'll probably utilize our cops team, which is our daytime uh, team, to provide extra security or our directed patrol being at the event, being visible, that type of thing. Thank you. Great. Um, I have a question. Uh, the recent murder of Tyree Nichols in Memphis by the Scorpion Unit team brings into question for me training of deputies. Um, kind of piggybacking on what Commissioner Steele mentioned with traffic stops. Um, I mean, can you give us an example of how this is done and how they're trained to de-escalate and how frequently this training is updated? Um, so I think, I think you're asking more de-escalization type training? Is that what? Or Possibly if a situation becomes um, what they feel is a little inflamed. Okay, like a high risk type of thing? Yeah. Something that's not normal? Yes. Okay. Um, Without firing is what right. I'm looking for. So um, de-escalization, we, we do do regular training um, in that field. It may not be called that. A lot of times we call it like tactical communication. And that's all part of our uh, post-mandated training that goes on. Um, every deputy that's working in the field in this department is required to conduct training every two years um, for a set amount of training, a number of hours. And every two years, a tactical communication course is part of that training. Um, different courses are offered. Sometimes they're in-person courses. Sometimes they're online courses. Sometimes they're video courses, just depending on where that person might be assigned um, or the time that they have to t attend training. But those type of trainings um, encompass de-escalization type techniques with traffic stops, mental health issues, a lot of different, different things and various ways of doing things. So it's, it's an ongoing thing for sure for the Sheriff's Department because it's part of the, the post-mandated training that we have to go through as a, a peace officer in California. Okay, thank you. A quick comment. Um, 
I seem to remember your name that you won an award, Deputy of the Year or something like that. Not me. <laughs> okay. Um, how many years have you worked in West Hollywood? Um, I left for a short period of time and then I came back. So cumulatively, approximately 12 years. Okay. Thank you. Um, any other commissioner questions? Yes, Chair. I just wanted to, to offer on the post-training. I, I don't feel that every two years is enough. I know that's a larger the county co conversation and dialogue, right? Um, but there's so much nuance. We experienced this when I was sitting through the LGBTQ plus training, right? There's so much um, growth in community and in dialogue. And I understand there's a lot to take in, but when things move that quick, I just think we need to be more nimble. So obviously I understand this is a much larger dialogue, but I think in terms of this body, it is under our purview to recommend that and make a suggestion to council that they reach out to county and have that dialogue. And I think, I don't think um, every two years is, is enough when it comes to de-escalating. And I also wonder if there's anything else done around the country um, that we could look at and offer differently, right? Is there, you know, the tactic training and, there's, and is there also something that's specific about um, de-escalating and race relations? I think it's too, it's too present and too top of mind and too important not to have a deeper dive on. So that's my thought. So the, the two-year training, just to, to, to jump back into that, um, th that's, that's the minimum that's required by the state. Um, other units on this department, for example, custody division deputies, they frequently go through de-escalization type training that is valuable to them in the jails and will transition at some point out to the streets, but they get additional um, training that's part of their mandated training as being in custody. So Sheriff's Department, we're a little unique where we got the custody and uh, patrol in the streets, so they get more from the very beginning that, that, that'll be beneficial throughout their career. So just that two years is, is what's mandated. It's not necessarily that's all we're going to get. Okay, and then I just wanted to add that with the LGBTQ training, we know that uh, it was said that it's it's done more often and what have you, and then when I was in the room with all of the officers, they that said it was the first time since they were actually brought into the department that they had done that training, which was years and years for many of them. So um, I appreciate it. I just don't think, I think if we don't have benchmarks and we don't have it in there or something a little more firm, you know, it could happen or it couldn't happen. I think you're going to get officers that are, and deputies that are more dialed in that maybe want to keep up on that, which is fantastic. But then probably some folks who maybe might not or might be focused on other things, right, just to come with the job. So I think making it a little bit more stringent there. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the jails because I did have a question. Um, it's my understanding that previously, and I'm just looking to find out if this is current, when deputies leave the academy, they go to work in LA County jails. Is that still, is that current or is that past? So, uh, yes, that, that's, that's still fairly accurate um, over the years. I mean, since, since I started, the things have changed from, from time to time. Um, th there is deputies that do a long period of time in the jails and then they come out um, to patrol. Um, as of right now, I, I've personally seen deputies where they do a minimum, a few months in the jails and then they come right out to patrol. Um, deputies sometimes have the option, instead of going to the jails, they can go to our courthouses. So there's, there's a lot of different avenues that, that are available. Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe, and I'm not 100% sure on the, the department's uh, stance on how they're handling it, but I, I do believe that deputies do have the option as well of to stay in the jails throughout their career if they would like. I believe okay. that option is still on the table for them. 
Thank you. And the, and the reason is when you were talking about, you know, the tactical training in the jails, that's obviously going to be a much different environment. And it just lends me to think, how are you actioning that in, in, in a city like West Hollywood, right? So if you've got a deputy, they come out of the academy, they're fresh, their first experience is months or a year or years in a county jail environment, which is markedly different than a local community. Um, I think that's why we do see some of the things that we see um, and why our communities... Um, communities across, right, experience some of these things. And I think that's, there's some, there's some nature, uh, nurture stuff there, right? We're bringing folks into an environment that is uh, much more hostile, much more intense, much more likelihood of those types of physical altercations, um, maybe much quicker to, you know, reach for a baton for safety. And I think, and I say for safety, but you can see where some of that I think might bleed out into uh, a mindset of somebody who's really just still learning the job, right? You go through your training and then uh, you know, all the job is on the job, lived and learned experience. And so I do wonder, I also regularly attend the civilian oversight meetings, which is how I knew about that. Um, so thank you for, for sharing. Um, I have one thing to piggyback on that. Um, when shift changes happen, um, are there meetings with watch captains before deputies are deployed to the street? Um, we have what we call briefings or, or pre-shift briefings is uh, if time allows, and obviously if, if calls, we, we, would, we would cancel a briefing, for example, if there was an emergency going on, um, large number of calls waiting. Um, but prior to the shift where the deputies do hit the field, there is what we call a briefing um, session where they go over things that are going on in the community, crime trends, things like that, um, some training depending on what's, what's presented for the day, it, it just depends. And they can go anywhere from 10 minutes to 45 minutes, it just depends on the day. Okay, the reason I'm asking is, correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes we have, you know, transient deputies that come work the city that aren't here on a regular basis that might not be as familiar with the community. So at these briefings, um, are these things ever discussed? Um, so just to, to kind of point you in the right direction with, with that, um, we do have deputies from other units and locations that will work here from time to time on an overtime shift and whatnot. Um, typically, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not gonna be in patrol. It's gonna be for special events, um, pride, things like that, maybe a movie shoot that's occurring somewhere. Um, very few of those people work patrol. The, the ones that do have probably worked here in the past. So they're what we would call alumni from here that, that do. Um, I personally haven't seen many, if at all, um, people from outside that have never worked here and all of a sudden have started work patrol here on an overtime shift. It's extremely unlikely. Okay, thank you. Um, any other questions, commissioners? I have a question. Um, related to training, when you have an event like the one you described on Holloway and Altaloma, um, and we know that there was another event, and I'm not going to get into the details, where there was an arrest made after you showed up for um, a domestic violence, and there was a misgendering event that happened. Is there a post-mortem, and is there support available for the officers involved to kind of go through what went right, what went wrong, and just deal with how to do better the next time? Or so, how to do different the next time? Yeah, so with... Um the critical incident, the, the Altaloma incident, um, that, that's, that's obviously handled with a lot more clout. Um, there's a lot of different things that are dynamics that are going on with something that happens like that. 
and as part of um, the, the final process of it, if they find that there was some training needed or something was not handled properly, uh, requirements may be made for the deputy or the personnel involved to attend additional training um, as part of um, discipline or as part of uh, a learning process for them. Um, with the other incident, um, it just depends on, on what essentially comes of that incident. If um, there was something that was done um, with a, a complaint, which I believe there was, um, there could be training that was offered or, or directed at the department, from the department to the person not involved. And the reason I ask is training, when it's theoretical and you haven't been through an experience, is different than training after you've been through an experience. It's, in my mind, two things. It's reinforcing the best case scenario of what should happen, and I think it also helps the officer potentially to cope with the scenario. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of once something happens that could have gone better, it might have gone pretty well, but someone firing their weapon's a big deal. And, you know, getting through that coaching, talking about it, it just makes it a, a dynamic that I think is more of a coaching and learning environment. So, and I'm not going to, I don't, I don't know how you do your business, but it's good to hear that you've got some mechanisms built in. I think it's always a room for a coaching, whether there was fault or not, for people to just talk about, hey, what could we have done differently? Could we have dissected it? And I'm sure some of that happens, but it's good to hear that there's a formal piece and maybe a... There, there's also an informal thing that we do um, after a bigger incident we, we call uh, debrief. We debrief the incident uh, amongst the people that were there, um, you know, time permitting, obviously, um, and go over some of the things that happened, some of the things that we saw, some of the things that we can do better. It's not a formal training session and it's not a formal um, forum the way it, it works. It's basically us getting together as a group, everybody who was there, and discussing what happened quickly as time permits again, obviously. Oh, great. So, so that's Thank done you. on a regular basis for most incidents that are large. Thank you. I think on that note, one of the conversations in regard to just the LGBTQ plus community um, and some of the, and I'll try to attend the, the, the dialogue event and bring some community folks, but um, that's one of those things that also says to the community, and I think it's important for this body to, to drive that messaging. I think it's important for us to reinforce that and ask staff um, to dialogue with council and to stay in communication on this. Um, but when something like that happens and there's a misgendering and it's, it's public, there's video, right? Um, and it happens, uh, I think, and I've had some great um, conversation with um, Captain Mulder about this particular topic um, and some potential next steps and then addressing some of these things with the county. But when it happens, these are very small things that we can do that show the community we see you and we hear you. We don't have to agree with your actions. We're not addressing the, the issue um, of what led to this moment, but the moment matters. Um, and I think it's just like anything else, just having a little bit of um, accountability for that, but also just moving it forward, right, and saying, so I just think it's, a, it's an important thing to do post-event or incident like that, where there's any type of um, just dialogue issue or community issue of that nature. Um, and I don't think I got an answer on the security plan for um, the drag queen story hour. Can we maybe just connect offline about that or what's... 
Um, in terms of the, the drag story? Uh, the drag queen story hour that's happening at the library. I don't know if we've got, like, do we have wands that are available? Do we have, I'm just, I'm concerned about um, security. I, so for all that aren't aware, there are active threats against the drag queen story hours across the country. We've had incidents of folks trying to go in and harm folks. Um, just recently, as last week, I went down to Huntington Beach to speak at their council meeting over the item they had in the agenda of removing the pride flag. And while we were there, one of the um, gay men that was speaking mentioned, you know, if you don't know us, get to know us, maybe come to a drag show. And the folks that were there detracting started calling him a groomer, started really verbally attacking him, and we had to revisit security leaving just the council meeting. So I just think it it's prudent for us to look at it and have a robust um, plan. I'm not saying there wasn't an intention of a plan, but just knowing that there's some escalated energy around that. Okay, um, Commissioner Steele, you've asked us to address a couple of different things. Um, Director Rivas, do these things need to be agendized? I mean, we just don't have always general discussions. Yeah, in, in terms of a security plan, that's not something that we would go over um, or that we would speak about at a public safety commission meeting, but I can certainly connect with Commissioner Steele offline um, and follow up regarding that. Okay, great, thank you. Um, any other commissioner questions? Um, commissioner Secretary, do we have any public comments or questions for a sergeant? Not on this item in chambers. And on Zoom, Director Rivas? No, Chair, I don't see uh, anybody on, on Zoom. Great, thank you. Um, Sergeant Duran, thank you. Thank you for and your time. And welcome. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, moving on on our agenda, um, item 8C is our monthly block-by-block um, block report uh, that will be given by, I'm going to call you Managing Director, um, Shay Gibson. <laughs> Good evening, Commissioners and City staff. So I'll be going over uh, some of the things we were have been doing since uh, in, in December and January. Of course, um, recruiting, uh, training, and uh, engagement. So we've been really focusing on uh, engagement and trying to get a little bit more engaged uh, with the community. Um, we've had, ha we have had a couple of uh, uh, negative comments pressed uh, uh, about us. Um, so I'm definitely um, trying to uh, vamp up the positivity and the things that we are doing out here. Uh, so that we can combat that that type of stuff. Um, we are have I have also started to uh, beef up my audits uh, that we do. So we we do uh, audits on our team for quality control purposes, of course. Um, so we'll conduct two audits per ambassador per shift, um, just to make sure that they're on task and doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Um, a highlight uh, in December for a security ambassador, uh, in tandem with uh, working with the sheriff department. Uh, security ambassador called the sheriffs in reference to a suspect with a firearm. Um, he followed the, this uh, sub suspect uh, from a very safe distance until the deputies detained him. Uh, the suspect was found to be in possession uh, of a loaded magazine. And uh, sheriff, when sheriffs searched the immediate area, uh, they did uh, manage to find the handgun. So uh, 
our ambassador was rewarded for his valiant efforts. So um, uh, we did, uh, at that moment, work very well with the, with the sheriff department. I think, uh, um, I think that went very well. So we were able to get a gunman possibly off the street. So kudos to us and kudos to them as well. Um, per request from uh, Director Rivas, uh, we beefed up our patrol visibility on the West End on Friday and Saturday evenings. Um, I attended a Neighborhood Watch Resident Association virtual meeting with uh, Director Rivas, as well as the Neighborhood Watch captains. Uh, I felt that it went well. Uh, we discussed uh, several issues, and uh, we did receive some positive feedback, so that was, that was, that was good to hear. Um, I also attended a small community meeting with Mayor Shine uh, at the Domain, uh, in attendance also with Captain Mulder and Danny Rivas. Um, that was a fun little event share some coffee and some crumpets. Oh, and also, uh, Todd, you were there as well. I'm sorry I didn't mention you, but. I'm, uh, uh, I'm just background. <laughs> so, you, so he was there as well. So I, I think that that went well as, uh, also. Um, we had a training scheduled and we attended uh, with a new uh, city service, Healthcare in Action. Uh, it was hosted by Derek Murray. Uh, this training introduced our team uh, to this new service and basically showed us how to utilize uh, their service when we're encount encountering unhoused community members who may be uh, uh, suffering from a crisis at the moment. So it's a new uh, 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 crisis response unit that, that will be here. And uh, we look forward to, to working with them. Uh, it's a 24-hour program, so we're very excited about that. Um, also, I uh, was involved in a Tri-West community walk um, to visit vacant and problematic properties. Uh, in attendance was Mayor Pro Temp Erickson, uh, Captain Mulder, deputies, co-compliance, and a few of the uh, concerned residents. Um, that went well. We visited a few properties. Uh, we were able to address uh, or at least speak about some of the issues uh, of uh, transient trespassing and things like um, letters of agencies um, to try to uh, address some of the issues that's happening at these properties. Um, besides that, it was business as usual for us. And uh, do we have any questions? Um, I have a question. You just mentioned letter of agencies, um, which we might have to throw back to Sergeant Duran, but they're good for a year, correct? From my understanding, correct. Correct. So What's the policy for alerting property owners that their letter of agency is about to expire? Is there anything that happens? Sorry, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. So um, as part of our COPS team, um, we have a deputy that's assigned basically to monitor what we call our LOAs, letter of agencies. Mm -hmm. um, they keep a spreadsheet uh, monitoring that um, from when they begin to when they expire, and they reach out and try to make contact with those uh, business owners or property owners or whoever it is to renew when it comes time to renew. Okay, great. Uh, so sometimes they do it on their own. Okay, yeah. Thank you, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, any other questions? Just one quick one. The response times here um, 
It's great to see it laid out like this, so appreciate that. Is it possible to get either a synopsis or the outcome? I think sometimes for folks to be able to see what happened, right? Did it? Did you just de-escalate a situation? Was you know was the sheriff called in? Whatever the scenario was, it might be nice to see if that's something we can do for the future. Sure, I can provide a little, a little uh, bit more information for you. Thank you. Thank you. Any other commissioner questions? Um, Commission Secretary, do we have any in-chamber questions? No uh, speakers at this time. And nothing online? All right. Thank you, Thank Managing you. Director <laughs> Gibson. <laughs> Thank you. You all be safe. Oh, and happy Valentine's uh, Next on our agenda, item 8D, our request tracking and commission calendar, the Public Safety Commission will receive a report on previously discussed requests and review the upcoming schedule of agenda items. Um, commissioners, does anyone wish to speak on this at this time? No? Dr. Rivas? Um, actually, the chair um, and vice chair and members of the Public Safety Commission, I, I did want to just highlight um, just a couple of, of items that you see on the attachment. You may have already seen them um, included in the packet, um, but I did highlight them in yellow, um, which are showing and reflecting differences from our last commission meeting. Um, and so uh, one was uh, the memo uh, to the city council um, regarding uh, the pickpocketing uh, study session. Um, we also had uh, the memo uh, as it relates to the nighttime safety study session. So both of those items, um, actually the pickpocketing was included in the nighttime safety, but those items are items that already went before the city council on December 19th of last year. And so those memos um, did get sent um, and were attached to the city council agenda items. So I just wanted to make mention of that as well. Um, and then uh, we did have uh, the fire prevention um, uh, inquiry from Commissioner uh, Berger uh, that occurred at the last meeting. Um, and so, uh, you know, we did uh, work with our um, fire department. I know Chief Smith had left, but we touched on that. Um, and I think we'll certainly, you know, work uh, in terms of looking ahead throughout the calendar year on a seasonal basis to include uh, pertinent information as Commissioner Steele had mentioned um, during, during the comments there. Um, and then we had uh, a request uh, to communicate kind of the, the action taken by the commission to the city council. Um, I, I did respond at the commission meeting just in terms of that, you know, we do provide a synopsis, a summary. Uh, to the city council after each commission meeting has, has occurred. And so um, we'll continue to do that. And in addition to that, we'll even attach this request tracking uh, that we um, place on every agenda. So I think those will be two good uh, useful ways for us to communicate to the city council um, in terms of any action that's been taken. But I think the request too was kind of looking at, hey, maybe over the last year, um, what uh, conversations and action, right, have been taken. And so if we can come up with um, a more effective way of putting together some information and sending that um, to attach that to the email that we send to the city council, we can do that at that time as well. Um, and I'm trying to just scroll up a little bit because I feel that I'm missing uh, one as it related to uh, building and safety. 
that I thought it was in here, unless I'm just not capturing it when I'm going through here. Um, but to um, Commissioner, oh, I'm sorry, it was included in the same response here. Um, so Commissioner Berger, we did uh, communicate with the city's building and safety division, as I had mentioned in December, kind of the overloading, right, of outlets um, and speaking about the California Electrical Code, that is something that um, our city's building and safety division um, does have a voice on in terms of, um, you know, providing input and feedback no differently than all the rest of the agencies, uh, municipalities, uh, building officials specifically um, that oversee our building and safety divisions throughout the state of California. So that process uh, occurs um, every three years. Um, we actually just, um, a building and safety uh, did take um, an item to the city council um, that went into effect January 1st of this year, um, which adopted the new California Electrical Code. Um, and my understanding is the conversation for the next cycle, which occurs three years uh, from now, is already underway. So um, I did uh, bring uh, the concerns that you had mentioned, um, and uh, they mentioned that they would certainly um, convey that, um, but also um, they communicated uh, the expectation that it is extremely challenging in terms of making any sort of changes um, as it relates uh, to the California Electrical Code, uh, especially particular to this type of um, situation, although they did agree, and I think that was mentioned at the last commission meeting, that the best way to um, communicate and prevent these concerns is through outreach. And so I think working with the fire department, uh, working with our communications department to put maybe put some information together and either have um, a seminar or uh, some sort of training that maybe we can offer um, as we get later on into the holiday season, not just relying on a press release and social media, which I think is great, um, but I think a lot of that same information we can just combine and maybe just invite folks and whether we do that virtual, whether we do it in person, whatever we feel is gonna capture the most participation, then I think that would be something that we can definitely calendar. So um, that concludes my, my comments on the request tracking. Uh, thank you, uh, Director Rivas. Uh, moving on to item 9A, which is under new business, uh, Municipal Law Enforcement Feasibility Study. Um, I typically don't read the subjects, but I think it's important that I read this one because um, I know as commissioners, we all received emails today. There um, seem to be some concerns. So the Public Safety Commission will receive an update regarding the city's request for a proposal to select a qualified consultant to conduct a review of the current contract for law enforcement services and a feasibility study to determine the costs and scopes of creating a West Hollywood Municipal Police Department. Um, uh, as mentioned earlier during my commissioner comments, um, I was part of the interview process. Um, we heard from six different consultancy firms. Um, it was a great learning experience for me personally. Um, I felt the process was very transparent. Um, we were all able to ask questions and engage with each consultancy firm. And then recommendations were made. And I know tonight um, we're going to get, um, are we going to get a 
presentation? I can give a brief presentation if you'd like. I cannot turn on. Okay, yeah, I can give a brief presentation if you'd like or if you've all read it in the staff report. Um, I think it would be important because there's so many um, community concerns that, you know, I think a presentation would be nice. And thank you for joining us. It's nice to see you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, good evening, Chair and Commissioners. I'm David Wilson, City Manager for the City of West Hollywood. Um, I'll give a brief overview of the item, and then Danny and I are both here to answer any questions that you may have. Um, as Chair Holman said, this item provides an update regarding the City's request for proposals to select a qualified consultant to conduct a review of the current contract with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department for law enforcement services and a feasibility study to determine the cost and scope of creating a West Hollywood Municipal Police Department. Over the last couple of years, there have been several discussions about law enforcement and the contract with LASD, both by this body and the City Council. Uh, there was also discussion during the budget process and funding was allocated for a feasibility study, including an examination of the current contract. The RFP was released on October 17, 2022, uh, with a requested scope of work to include analysis of the following. Uh, current proposed and optimal levels of service for a law enforcement program, effectiveness of a proposed municipal, municipal program compared to the existing LASD service model, and an order of magnitude comparison in services and costs an organizational plan for the proposed program, including an organizational chart, staffing projections, and um, an estimated timeline for to transition between the service models, an operational plan for the temporary increase of law enforcement or security personnel doing major special events, such as Pride and Halloween, uh, findings from the review of the existing contracted law enforcement services, presentations to the public during the development of the report to gather feedback and input, and finally, presentations to the Public Safety Commission and the City Council of the interim findings and the final report. The final report from the consultant will not make recommendations as to whether or not the city should replace the, its current law enforcement contract with LS, L, LASD, rather the report We'll look at the existing contract and at alternatives, and we'll provide key information about how the existing contract can be improved and how um, an alternative service model could be structured and what it might cost. Uh, the RFP closed on December 2nd, 2022. The city received six pro uh, responsive proposals from qualified consulting firms, and all the pro uh, proposing teams were interviewed. As part of the RFP process, uh, the city established a diverse review panel to evaluate each proposal. The review panel was comprised of eight members, five city staff, along with three external panelists made up of experienced community safety professionals and an appointed uh, city official. Uh, I incorrectly wrote a six-member review panel in the staff report. Uh, the city 
employees on the review panel are part of the city's community safety working group from the city manager's department, the community safety department, and the human services and rent stabilization department. The external panelists include Matt Terigian, a former police chief who has also consulted on the city's community safety and well-being strategy. Sean Eldridge, director of the law enforcement initiatives for the Center for Police and Equity. And as the chair said, Chair Todd Hallman, who is both a resident and the chair of this body. The role of the review panel was to evaluate the submitted written proposals and assess each prospective consulting group um, during the interview process based on their responsiveness to the scope of work and deliverables lifted in the, listed in the RFP and their understanding of the unique circumstances here in the city of West Hollywood. Interviews were conducted um, with the consulting teams in January of 2023 and based on the feedback from the review panel, the city is recommending moving forward with Matrix Consulting Group. Matrix is based in California and their project team was able to effectively present during the interview and written proposals an understanding of the West Hollywood community and the important ongoing discussions related to community safety, equity, efficiency, and transparency. The dem they demonstrated significant experience in public sector and law enforcement organizational analysis and have prior local and regional experience. Um, in addition, their knowledge of the institutional process and organizational structure of a local city and county governments in California separated them from the other prospective consultants, along with their strong commitment to using matrix metrics, not only based on the current industry standards, but also on emerging standards. Uh, Matrix was the only consultant that proposed to share their data analysis program with the city to allow for ongoing uh, in-house assessment of law enforcement uh, operations. Seven of the eight member review panels selected Matrix as their top ranked consulting team. Uh, the initial request for proposals and all six responses are included in your agenda packets. Uh, the next steps is that the city, in the city's process, will include hearing feedback from this body tonight, negotiating the final scope of work with the recommended consultant, uh, presenting the recommendations to the city council along with any feedback from this body, and initiating the project with the consulting team with the plan to have the project completed in six months. Uh, that concludes my report, and again, we're here for any questions. Great, um, I just have one quick one, um, Manager Wilson. Can you say that this process will be fully transparent and open to residents? Because I know there are a lot of concerns. Some people have felt that this has already started, that a decision has been made, where, you know, I learned from our review process, this is somewhat of a lengthy process. It's not gonna happen overnight. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think residents um, want to make sure that they'll have their opportunity as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, community engagement was uh, important to everyone on the review panel and part of the questions that we asked them. And so we wanted to ensure that there are many opportunities throughout this um, for the community to provide input. 
Um, and again, this, this consultant is only providing um, what is a feasibility study on what it would cost and how we would do it. Um, the, at this point, we're not deciding whether or not we're uh, leaving the, the county sheriff's department and creating our own police force or not. Um, it's really just the information on what it would take to do that if that's something that the city wants to pursue. Thank you. Um, commissioners, any questions for city manager Bolson? Commissioner Seal? Yeah, so uh, thank you for that. I think I have some questions about um, the panel and about the questions. Do we have a list of the questions that were asked during the interviews? We do not, but we can provide that list um, as well as to make it part of the uh, council packet when we take that to, to the city council. Okay, so, and part of, thank you, and part of the reason I'm asking is I don't recall any of that coming to this body, and it seems like there would have been some good input from the members of this body to add to that and to look at what questions are being formulated since we've already started dialogue um, about some of these topics and CPE and the community well-being and safety strategy. So um, I think we actually missed a beat by not engaging in that way. I'm thrilled that Chair was there at that panel. Um, but I'd love to know, instead of diverse panel, I'd love to know what that was comprised of and um, who else was on the panel. So um, the external participants, in, in addition to the chair, um, were uh, Sean Eldridge from the Center for Police and Equity. Um, he's presented to this group a num number of times. Uh, Matt uh, Terrigian um, from uh, City Corps, who's done the city's uh, community safety and well-being plan, uh, who's also a former po uh, police chief himself. And then from city staff, it was myself, um, Danny Rivas, the community safety director, our deputy city manager, Jenny Ro Je Jackie Rocco, um, our um, human services and rent stabilization director, Christoph Schroeder, and our assistant to the city manager, Christine Seyfert. Thank you. Any other questions? Um, Commissioner question. Seal? I mean, I have a lot of questions. I just wasn't sure what the process was going to be, so I have a lot of... Well, we need to keep it moving along, so let's move to Commissioner Oliver. Um, I think, um, thank you for that uh, presentation. I think a lot of the feedback that we've gotten from the community has been not which contractor, which consultant, but that this um, expenditure is taking place. Um, Will there be another opportunity for community input separate from this meeting um, before this is actually, um, before this decision is made to actually contract with any one of these mm -hmm. consultants? Yeah. Um, the next time would be the city council meeting. And so we plan to take it to the city council in March. Um, depending on feedback from this body, if there's things that we need to, adjustments we, that we need to make uh, in the scope of work, um, we'll do that and negotiate that. Um, but the March, probably the second meeting in March would be the next time. But this, this meeting is just about um, feedback on the individual, individual uh, proposals, not the um, question of whether to do this or not. 
Yes, yes. So it's more, and not even on the proposals, but certainly for welcome feedback on the proposals, but anything that you all as a commission think should be in the scope of work that you're not seeing, um, either in the recommended proposal or in the city's RFP. Um, Commissioner Berger. I've, I've got some uh, notes on the um, attachment 9B for the scope of work for the, the RFP with matrix. Um, if you could, I don't know, can you put that up here uh, so people can read along? Uh, you have to give me a minute, Commissioner Berger, but I can, yes, hold on. Okay, it's, it's nine, the attachment 9B. Um, on page one, the last paragraph in page one, just, um, it reads, they're, they're speaking about the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, what they did there. Mm -hmm. um, my first reaction to that was, um, you know, that isn't like us at all. You know, is it close to us? So I, I, I'm, that, I just want to give you like my first reaction to that. Um, um, it's sort of like saying, you know, we haven't studied your city yet, but um, this is what we found, you know, there. Because in the last sentence in that paragraph, it reads, the study concluded that overall costs in the new agency would be approximately 10% less than existing contracts. So that felt to me like um, it was sort of highlighting one uh, one side of, of a feasibility study that they haven't done yet, which is, um, you know, for appealing to the people that do want to replace our current sheriff's department situation. So that's just some feedback there. Yeah, and just can I respond to that? So I believe there was an email also um, that referred to that. So that is referring specifically to the Riverside County, and it's a uh, JPA, a joint powers agreement, similar to our contract cities. So basically all the, all the cities got together and it's creating their own department. And I guess in that instance, they did experience some savings. Um, we don't expect that and they're not suggesting that for the city of West Hollywood. Um, I think we've always assumed that it would cost more to have our own sheriff's department and we've been having this discussion for years and this will give us the actual numbers to see what that cost will be. But I think we're going into this and they'll be going into this being objective and just looking at actual needs and costs. Okay, um, I'm, uh, these are just some feedback for, for if they do wanna do the scope of work and uh, make some adjustments. Um, on page four, um, they go into the experience highlights, um, Columbus, Ohio. They, uh, they hit a lot of the points of steps to improve upon building trust with the community, changes to uh, use of force policies by, and biased policing, increased training on de-escalation and procedural justice, et cetera, in there. Um, I don't see anything um, where they said anything about um, first responders and experience in disaster management. And that's something very important to our city, especially because we have, um, you know, um, it's, our city is very different. We have a large LGBTQ community. We have um, a lot of events and things like that. So that's just a note. And then um, 
down in page six, if you go down to um, the, the underneath on the last paragraph, the role on this engagement, and it says that it talks about Ian's, ex, Ian's experience on this. Ian will serve as the lead analyst in field services as well as more generally over the development of new agency formation methodologies. He will be involved in all project stages and will be involved in the development of each deliverable. What I want to ask that about this, and it, this can go to Matrix as well, is, is it a foregone conclusion that we are creating our new agency? Because that seems to be what that implies there. It doesn't seem to be um, objective like we're presenting both sides as a feasibility study and the pros and cons of both sides. So I thought that that was uh, something that um, was really jumped out. Um, and then if you go down to um, page seven, um, the, it, it reads, uh, it's under the experience highlights. Um, the key findings include opportunity for greater fiscal savings by transitioning 30 positions from sworn to civilian staff, primarily in administrative areas, finance records, et cetera. Um, what I wanted to know there is what is the context of this? So they talk about Kansas City, Missouri. Um, what is Kansas City, Missouri's population? Um, how many total sworn officers were there, like they, 30 positions out of how many? You know, maybe they have 600, we don't know. So I think that that's um, really important to see that in context, I would like to know that. And then if you go down to page eight, um, page eight, yeah, under the experience highlights, the same thing under um, Fountain Hills, Arizona. They, they talk about um, they led, managed, led and managed the study, which was designed to review the existing contracts, et cetera. And then at the end of that bullet point three, they say the study found that creating a municipal agency would save $500,000 a year with a break even including capital costs at nine years. So um, again, talking about the, um, this seems like, it seems again biased a little bit. Um, what, is, what is the context of that also? What's, what's their population? How many sworn officers? Um, it also kind of looks like it's catering to the people who want to get rid of our sheriff's department. So it makes that more appealing. Um, and then we go down to um, page 10. Page 10, it's the, um, the last paragraph right before proposed services. Um, our extensive experience in conducting new agency feasibility studies and our capabilities as an integrated team of law enforcement experts, financial analysts, and researchers 
uniquely shape our ability to design and plan for the creation of such a department. So um, again, it's, uh, it's about the, the um, first responders. Mm -hmm. Are they gonna look into that and those roles? Because that's an that's important job for the, um, our officers. And um, the, especially the, where it says, uniquely shape our ability to design and plan for the creation of such a department. Again, this is supposed to be a feasibility study. That seems like a foregone conclusion. Hmm. Is that a foregone conclusion? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, and then page 12. You're going into a lot of different fact-finding. Um, I just wonder if they're going to be looking at the data from the CPE, CPE, the results from the CPE. And um, on page 13, under task three, community engagement, and, and it talks about feedback from the input and input from the community are essential to the development of how a new agency would be organized. Um, and again, that's how a new agency would be organized, staffed, and provide services to the community. What I'm curious about is what about improving what we have already? We, we're not, they're not highlighting that at all. Um, what if people don't want a new agency? Um, will they talk about how we can improve what we have? Otherwise, it looks one-sided. Okay, then we go down to um, page 14. Again, it talks about um, the different, the bullet points, the first deployment levels and practices, as well as target levels for proactive time, staffing, capacity, et cetera. Again, what about the first responders and the other parts of the job that the officers do? Okay, and we're getting to the end here. Um, page 15. Um, it, it says near the bottom, none of these areas of analysis exist in isolation the feasibility modeling process must take into account regionalized services, et cetera. So I wonder if they're gonna be talking to Beverly Hills, for example, to see if they even wanna share services with us. Mm -hmm. um, does anybody wanna do a regional with us? Is that going to be part of, um, of this? And as they look at our demographics also, um, I just wanna make sure that they understand that our population swells from 36,000 people to hundreds of thousands in the evenings and the weekends and special events. So those kinds of things need to be, um, seem, I, I just wanna make sure that they don't miss those. Mm -hmm. And then on page 16, at the last paragraph, it says the task result. And it says the project team will conduct a comprehensive feasibility analysis of establishing a new municipal, a new municipal police agency. The interim deliverable will detail the staffing, organization, operation costs, and initial startup costs of such an agency, taking into account 
the potential of regional, regionalized services, integration with other city strategies, and anticipated growth impacts on police services um, demand. So how, again, does that compare with what we already have? That, that seems to be, again, not real objective and seems to be sort of selling that point to the people that want to get rid of our, our police uh, current situation. And then on, la on task six, it follows that. Um, based the transitioning planning, based on the feasibility analysis, which provides a foundation and design for how the department would be staffed, organized and operated, the project team will create a detailed implementation plan to ensure that it can be accomplished. And then it goes on to saying the things it includes. Again, I, on this one especially, that's a, that seems to be a foregone conclusion. Um, I don't think that that should be part of this RFP and the costs of this RFP. I think um, I would suggest pulling that and doing a separate RFP for that if, if it is decided by our city council um, to do to go through with anything like this. Um, I don't even know if that goes along with our code of contract conduct that a company is responsible for implementing the thing that they are studying. I think those that should I would suggest that be pulled. Yeah. And, and I, lastly, I, I believe this is referring to an implementation plan, not actually implementing it. But we can make uh, sure yeah. If you can just look at that, because it appears like they are planning to implement it too. This is in there. Yeah. And well, I think they would like to implement it, <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. not part of this contract. Yeah, I just don't know why that's in here because that seems like um, that would be a behoove them to mm -hmm. move uh, to uh, go with that sort of a plan instead of an unbiased objective plan, a feasibility study, so we see both sides. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, um, I just want to say, um, can they do some research on extreme use of forces cases that lead to serious injuries or death um, for cities with their own police force versus cities that contract with a county sheriff's department or other multi-jurisdictional policing agencies? I think that that would be something very useful to see. Great. Okay, and that, that's all I have. Thank you. Great. So we'll look into all of these things. The, um, the Center for Police and Equity study, you've mentioned that, that will be completed before they start this work, so they will review that document, but um, all the other information we'll get. Okay, and, and I can send those to staff if you, if you need them. That'd be great. The bullet points. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, thank you, Chair Berger. Um, Chair Steele. Thank you, uh, Chair. I, I think we've also opened up dialogue. I don't know if you have public comment or or am I jumping the gun on that? I haven't given any comment yet. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, just more just in commissioner comments. Sorry. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, question. Oh, well, I have I have questions, but I I was concerned coming into this that we we would go into this kind of without a barometer, um, and I feel like that's what's happening. I think this is. Um, I, the questions that I have are not really they're related to all of them, and I think we have a responsibility to review all of them and to have a, di a larger dialogue. So I'm not sure where you want me to place that, but 
That's the feedback I have. I think we've missed a step. I think we've not engaged with this body on the questions and the interviews. We have no visibility on what that dialogue was. Um, and I've got very specific questions about it, but I also don't agree with the um, selection based on the research that I've done about all six bodies, um, their teams, their work, their work regarding equity, their work regarding LGBT plus community engagement, their uh, and their uh, other work regarding um, policing and de-escalating. So I'm just uh, I'm not sure where that lives, but I think we've missed a beat, and I think this should also be a working study session. I don't um, think this is something that can be rushed, and it's something we've tried before, and we have a lot of community feedback on. We got a lot of community feedback, and I think we are really rushing the process, and we're rushing to go to contract. The last thing that I saw in writing was that we'd have the CPE study Q2 or Q3 of this year, and we're looking to go to contract in March, um, and so we're not, we're not there yet, right? And the other issue that I have is, um, with the folks in the room, I didn't hear anybody that has a police accountability background, so an expert in police accountability in that dialogue and conducting those interviews. I didn't realize, I don't think the interview, we were notified of when they were happening, and um, I would have had some suggestions or some thoughts on that, but I think um, it happened, and there's things I think that were missing from that, but also without having a clear lens on what was asked, we don't have anything to go on other than what was submitted. So I've certainly have feedback on that, but I do wanna just say I think we've missed a beat. I don't think we've engaged with this body um, in the best way to serve the community that we could have um, and to drive it. And I think by not having an expert on police accountability specifically, and that doesn't mean a law enforcement background, those are two different things. Uh, and it also doesn't mean CPE because the CPE study, which I've already called flawed, does not have any LGBTQ plus engagement for a city that's over 43% LGBTQ. So. Um, I am concerned about that report having an effect on some of the dialogue um, with it. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Steele. Not to usurp um, City Manager Wilson, but with each agency, um, as a queer black man, I ask, did they feel they had an understanding of assisting West Hollywood in developing a police force that has an understanding of a very large LGBTQ plus community. You know, that was my one big concern. If they felt they had an understanding of what needed to be done, um, the makeup of our community, um, before they would make any recommendations. And I got very satisfactory answers from each agency, um, but I did ask that question. I appreciate that, Chair, thank you. And I, and I believe that you did, and I believe that that's a valuable question. I would have probably had 30 more questions about their body of work. What does it mean, what they think their understanding is of this community, because what they submitted does not show me that they have an understanding outside of a few lines. And more than that, they just added their first black staff member, uh, and, and it's not someone in, in one of the executive roles. Um, I'm also very concerned about the makeups of these teams. Um, the majority of, of the teams that have submitted are um, largely white-held teams. So what I say, I went back and looked at it, I looked at 
all of these things, including their executive team and who's leading it, because one of the teams had a team of about maybe I think five, um, and they were all uh, you know just white male retired law enforcement officers. And I don't see how we're going to get a viable look at. 21st century policing without some 21st century perspective. And I think as well, that's another beat we're missing. Everything that I'm hearing and everything that I'm seeing looks like a one for one. We've done this before, we've done this study. How are we looking at it to make sure that we avoid the missteps that we did before? Um, do they specifically know, like have they, do they have that attached to the work? Is there something that guides them on that so that we don't go down the same road and come out with the same result because we didn't check that box, right? And we didn't dial them into what we did before and why we didn't fill this work as a community before. Um, and so I just think if we're going to look at two things, we're going to look at one, improving our um, current contract, which is a huge part of this, and I agree um, largely with what uh, Commissioner Berger brought to the table in terms of not seeing enough in that space for Matrix specifically. But outside of that, there's all of this dialogue and all the dialogue we've had earlier tonight all plays into that, right? We're talking about safety for the community and equity and all these issues. There has to be a larger, um, larger pieces to that pie rather than we do equity work, right? Or, or we do this thing. Well, if your team is largely white, I don't know what your work or background is. But when I've looked at it and looked at all the other cases and start to do some digging, I don't see that body of work. Um, I saw it only with one, actually. Um, so I just, and I think if we're going to look at reimagining this with our, with a new department or our own force, that is a very specific thing. But if we're just going to do a one-to-one -one comparison without looking at something different and we're just taking from the framework of what currently exists, I don't know that we've had any creative dialogue about what does a West Hollywood police force actually look like, not what is the framework for this and framework for that. That's all great, but anybody can take a corporate design and, and mimic that design. So I'm just... I'm not convinced we've done a thorough enough okay, job. Okay, um, Commissioner Steele, um, Manager Wilson, would you like to respond? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, this is really the start of this process. So whomever we choose, they'll do lots of community outreach and community engagement to see what the people of West Hollywood want. But ultimately, they're just doing a feasibility study. Um, they're not creating a police department for the city. So they're going to take that information and see what the city um, residents want. Um, and then is that possible in a police department and what we need to do to get there. Um, and then ultimately, we'll have to decide who's the best person to implement that if that's the decision that the council makes that they want to go forward with that or if we want to work more on improving our contract with the sheriff's department um, that would be we need someone else to do that as well so. thank you and i i appreciate that i just think if the person that's doing the study matters and i think that i do think we're a little bit far down the line i think we're at a point of choosing someone to do the work without necessarily having a larger dialogue about who's going to do the actual work. For example, I have the recommendations from the Social Justice Task Force. Have all of these been included? Did we have dialogue? I reached out to the Social Justice Task Force, and I don't believe there was a dialogue. So the lens with which we do this work absolutely matters, and the folks that are doing it, it's not having police accountability, I think, is, is a huge misstep in terms of there's a lot of people throwing around 21st century policing and forward policing, but without those efforts, 
we're not able to do it. And look how far down the line we've come with CPE and what's been invested. And they don't have any LGBTQ representation at all. Sean said that in this, in this meeting. There is no dialogue with our community regarding LGBTQ and police inequity. I just can't imagine how anyone approved that or how we got that far down the road or how we think that's acceptable and that's who's gonna be driving a lot of this dialogue, so. All right, thank you, Commissioner Steele. Um, Commissioner Oliver. Um, I have a few questions. Um, so I, I was looking um, at the, the different proposals um, and the, the matrix being the one that's favored in the proposal um, left a few questions and I, I did have um, you know there were strengths to, to other um, proposals um, and also in addition to services rendered I'm looking at the cost um, to the taxpayer for these consultants um, Usage of existing facilities in, in uh, matrixes, is that even an option? It's a county-owned facility, um, and it's said versus new facility, um, a new facility, where would that be? Um, and is that, is that um, a possibility that was <coughs> mentioned with knowledge of our city, or was that kind of a generic framework? Um, it talked about staffing needs, but it didn't say anything about special events. Um, the fact that we are a city that swells uh, every weekend and multiple times a year uh, in population, um, and you know the the difference between um, uh, a mutual support agreement between cities and departments, and then a regular course of action in terms of staffing. Um, I talked about equipment and talked about vehicles, but what about um, the high-tech um, equipment that's used during special events, um, explosives and, and um, bio uh, weapon, uh, bioterrorist uh, detection, um, helicopters, the, the things that the um, contract with the LA Sheriff's Department allows a small city like ours access to um, because we get to just have a piece of, of, of uh, each of these resources. How is that accounted for? I didn't see that. Um, but then also the opportunity cost of what our city is gonna have to give up. Um, that's something that I didn't see in a lot of the um, you know, what, it, what is optional in municipal government? Because um, something, there is always an opportunity cost. Is that gonna be um, the social service spending that our city is known for? Um, is that gonna be rental assistance? Is that gonna be um, events like Halloween? That's not mentioned, the opportunity cost. So that's something that I would like if, if we're going to get a comprehensive view um, what is it in, uh, that other municipalities have given up for such a, or, or what's the likely um, service that we're gonna give up as a city? 
And I don't know that they'll be able to determine that. I think that'll be something that we'd have to determine as a city. I mean, I think they will give us the cost of all those things, and a lot of that will come from interviews and looking at the current sheriff's data from our sheriff's station and what we actually use and what we need, um, and then figuring out the cost of that and providing that in the final report. So I think a lot of that, and we'll definitely make sure that it's in the scope of work, but I think we're gonna learn that through the process. Um, and then the city's gonna have a big decision to make. The city council's gonna have a big decision to make. The other thing it didn't mention um, is uh, pension responsibility. It talks generally about retirement, but mm -hmm. our responsibility now um, with our agreement to the, with the sheriff's department um, and what we pay annually and our ability to um, sever that contract if we decide to at any time versus um, the responsibility in, in perpetuity of the city. Uh, it talks about um, liability insurance, but it doesn't talk about liability to the general fund. Um, there's just some kind of nuts and bolts, I think, missing from the um, proposal. Okay. Um, Vice Chair Valbone. Thank you. Um, so this topic is a divisive topic for our community. The last 12 to 18 months, there's been a lot of community debate. And I see some of the things that community members have asked for reflected in this study, but I don't see all of what they've asked for. And I see policing equity, which I think is good. I see two references to LGBTQIA in our RFP. I don't think that's enough. Um, I see some rec references to issues with distrust in the budgeting process that were proven to not be the case. So there's some things in here, but what I don't see enough focus on is what people in the community have told us about crimes that they've experienced and what they're looking for us to solve for of in those crimes. Mm -hmm. And I know one area that is somewhat unique to our city and that is nightlife crime and crime that's related to having the type of vibrant community that we have, including sexual assaults. Mm -hmm. And we do not have a good track record of closing cases. And I would have expected to see something here in reference to whether that's a study of the current or new, we have to address that in our community, we swell up. We have a lot of people who come here for a good time and drinking and people prey on that. And I think that's missing and I think it's a mistake. We spend too much time in this meeting talking about some of these issues that happen when people come here. That's gotta be reflected here. I also think that that's a balancing act for the people who live in this community because there are a lot of people who live here who don't love nightlife, but they tolerate it for all of the other things that happen in the city. So to make the city livable, that balancing thing has to happen. And it's just, there's a lot missing of what we've heard people across the board from all parts of the community talking about what they want from the local police here in West Hollywood whether it be the sheriffs or a replacement organization, it doesn't matter. I just don't see enough of it here. Mm -hmm. 
I see portions of it, and I apologize. I'm getting over a sinus infection, so not contagious, but I sound horrible. Um, that's something that I'd like to make sure that we're really spending time on because mm -hmm. this has been such a hot button issue for everyone in this community, and I think we owe everyone an opportunity to be heard. And we also just have to look at the stats. Like, where is the crime in this community, and are we doing enough, and do we have enough staff focused on those things? Mm -hmm. That's what I'd like to see it coming out of us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. No, and it certainly will. I mean, that will be part of the community engagement and the d data collection process. I mean, they'll, and we didn't want to tell them what they're going to find. Um, we want them to go to the community and find those things and get the actual data from the sheriff's department on what type of crimes are happening where. Um, so all that will be part of the process. I, I do think it's important mm -hmm. to ensure they understand that this is a divisive issue in this community. Mm -hmm. There is not agreement on this topic, and that way they're coming into this, and this goes to Tori's point. The proposal for Matrix was written mm -hmm. very heavily on the fact that they're going to make a recommend <laughs> recommendation mm -hmm. on one part of what you asked for. Now, it's an RFP response that happens. They're writing to what they think will win them the bid. But I think we need to be very clear with them that that's not all you asked for. You mm -hmm. spent several pages of this outlining what you want evaluated of the current contract. And that's something that I think we really have to make sure they understand is their responsibility is to hear everyone and to come back with both sides of this. Okay. So, thank you. Can I just add, add to that real quick? We, we hear so many times, oh, that's going to be a part of it or this is going to be in there as an answer, but then we never see it and we never get any response, right? So, for example, CPE, we asked repeatedly within this body, to get an update on what the community strategy is and what the community engagement is, and we've not heard a word about what that plan is. We've not seen a plan, and now we're told we'll have it in another month or so, or maybe the next quarter, but that still never came back. So without a more robust dialogue with this body leaning into this work, I don't see how it's gonna get done, and I think we need a working study session to really go through and talk about what is needed from any partner on this and revisit it. I just think this is um, not malintended, but I think it was rushed, and I think the community's had so much feedback and so much wonderful feedback from renters to homeowners to lifelong residents that we've seen. I just think we've, I think we've missed a beat, and I think we've jumped the gun a little bit um, and not really looked at all of this in its fullness, and I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable making any recommendation or approving anything until I saw the questions that were asked, possibly a recording, um, and we have a deeper dialogue as a body, so that's just where I'm at. Um, before we move on to public comments, um, Commissioner Steele, I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Are you requesting that we have a separate dialogue about this moving forward? Yes, Chair. Um, City Manager Wilson, um, what is the plan? Will you be coming back to the commission here um, with updates before public safety or before the city council meeting? Yeah, at this point there was not a plan to come back before the city council meeting. Um, we were hoping to get input today, um, which you are all providing great input 
um, and then provide that input to the city council for them to make a decision. So commissioners, um, are we all content with our comments and questions? Because once this goes to city council, you know, it's out of our hands. That's why I have that concern. I don't, I'm not, and I would like to request that we do a working study session as a body on this so we can really have more time and input on the RFPs and even potentially have input to go back to get some more um, detailed answers and things like that. So, but I think that's gonna take getting a copy of the questions and having a working session where we both review those, all the community input that we have on record um, and sh shape up maybe a second round of interview questions uh, if needed from that study. Um, Director Rivas. Um, is this possible before it goes to councilman? What exactly does this mean? Yeah, thanks, Chair. Um, uh, so I, I know the city manager had, had mentioned early in the presentation that uh, certainly this was something that was directed to us by the city council. So we did have uh, a timeline in place. Um, I think it would uh, make sense to obviously incorporate um, all of what has been said um, in terms of, of uh, doing what was recommended by Commissioner Steele um, and by everyone else that's on the Public Safety Commission, um, including that in the staff report, bringing that before the City Council and then allowing the City Council to make a decision on whether they want to um, direct uh, staff to hold a community uh, study session or listening session and, and go through um, that timeline, um, given at least that'll give an opportunity for city council to also become aware and have the opportunity to speak and decide on um, knowing that when we schedule that, right, that'll prolong a little bit of the time frame, um, which is understandable, um, but that'll at least allow them to make that decision, right, knowing that as you've seen in the staff report, um, all of the submittals outline the six month, uh, more or less kind of turnaround time um, for the study to be completed, right? So all of that just kind of pushes that back, which is certainly fine, but I think that's something that the city council needs to be made aware of um, and consider um, and make a decision on. And uh, I'll turn to city manager too to uh, add any additional comments related yeah. to that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Okay, thank you, Director Rivas. So, commissioners, uh, with that being said, I'm going to ask one last time, does any commissioner, before we get to public comments, have any additional comments or suggestions they would like added? Um, and if so, can we keep this brief so we can move along? recommendation is after we listen to the public if there's anything that we hear that we didn't already speak about we should perhaps include that in our final ask okay are we in I'm agreement to go to public comment. Mm -hmm. okay so let's go to public comments uh, first up is George Nichols and George you will have three minutes hi uh, my name is George Nichol I've lived in West Hollywood for 18 years uh, I have concerns about this as well. It just feels like it's moving fast and that the public has not had a lot of input. And I worry that it will take on a life of its own and that if it 
does end up being a recommendation that we form our own police, that it should be put to the voters. That's just how I feel about it. And actually, Commissioner Steele brought up something that is an issue that I think is really important. It is really relevant to this. The fact that we have to say that we are concerned about security for Drag Queen Story Hour, but it's relevant. And it's relevant here because the Department of Homeland Security, and I didn't mean to discuss this, this just made me think of it, but the Department of Homeland Security late last year warned Jewish communities, communities of color, LGBTQ communities, that we are at heightened risk of domestic terrorist attack. That's West Hollywood. I mean, Jewish women, gay men, lesbians founded West Hollywood. So we are at risk. So when the commission did move forward in December, and I was in North Carolina, in rural North Carolina, and the little county right beside where that person shot the power station, and that was domestic terrorism. When that happened, the city council did vote to move forward with cutting some of the sheriff's deputies. And when we ask for somebody to secure Drag Queen Story Hour, it's not block by block, it is somebody who can secure it. Because if there is a threat, it's not going to be people with bad words, it's going to be something worse. So the way I think that that hooks in with this is I have a concern that if we were to come back and the recommendation is to form our own police department, it's going to cost a whole lot more than what we pay now. A convenient thing would be, let's just have fewer police. And I think that that would make us less safe. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, next, we have Steve Martin. Steve, you will have three minutes. Steve Martin, West Hollywood. Um, the luxury of three minutes. Uh, I have to say I completely agree with what Commissioner Steele's saying. I probably come from it from a different angle, but you know, there's more than one path to enlightenment. There's so many good comments uh, Tori made, uh, Commissioner Oliver made, particularly about pensions, about infrastructure. Uh, you know, everybody's had a lot of good insights. And even though I think this uh, consultant is probably a lot better than, than some of the things that we've seen. I came here, and I'm disappointed. I'm certainly glad that the city manager is here because he shed a lot of light on the issues. But I, I was coming here thinking that the consultant was going to be here so that we could hear, he could hear, they could hear from the community, and we could have more input so that people trust the system. And I think, even though we all maybe have different different degrees of what we're interested in. We're all interested in making sure that there's as much legitimacy in this process as humanly possible. There's a lot of suspicion out there, which Commissioner Oliver has alluded to, um, and to the extent possible, we need to break that down and make sure that people feel that they're heard and they're part of the process. That's our job here. We're not, we don't need to abide by some artificial calendar because this is way too important. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what do I want to see here? You know, we want to see more neighborhood policing. We want to see bike patrols. We really want to see a drastic decrease in response times. And we don't care whether that comes from the sheriff or whether that comes from our own department. I do think that 
we should have spent a little bit more time doing some comparisons, asking what Culver City does. We know, we know Beverly Hills pays 90 million, which is three times more than what we do. We, don't, we may not even need the same level of service that they have, but we, we don't even have a, a basic grasp of what we're trying to do here. You know, I was here for the original discussion back in 92, whether we have a WHPD or not. And it was a completely different time, but we had a six-month campaign where people got to ask hard questions and come back with good responses. You know, what, you're t what Commissioner Oliver was talking about, about the budget, we're, we're much more wealthy, but it is gonna take a cut somewhere, and it may take us several years to figure out how we reallocate those resources. So my suggestion is to either put this off or reject it, and, and at, maybe at the next meeting, invite the, the consultant, if you wanna give them attentive, and ask your hard questions, and then make a determination whether this is ready to go, because it may not be. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, next, we have Zakia Wright. Uh, Zakia, you will have three minutes. Uh, good evening, uh, Chair and Public Safety Commission. Uh, my name is Zakia Wright, resident of West Hollywood. Um, I think it's you know a good idea that we're looking at all of these factors pretty early on. Um, as you know, Steve alluded to, you know this has been tried in the past um, and, and failed miserably. I think quite a few times, and I think some of those reasons, which I hope you know that as going going forward, we learn from why it's failed in the past and why even getting it off the ground never really worked. And some of those reasons have already been alluded to, but there was a failure to get community buy-in. Right, community didn't feel like they had enough information. There were alternative narratives regarding cost, right? A cost is a cost is a cost, but it was just so much misinformation and disinformation going around that it was hard to make a decision. And then there was also a lack of transparency. And I think all of that has to start now. Um, you know, if you read some of the public forums or even probably some of the comments that came to you all, most people were pretty caught off guard that this is being discussed. It's a little confusing of sort of what's even the RFP is asking for compared to what the R compared to what the responses that were received. I'm reading through it and I'm like, this is really hard to understand what the goal even is at this point, right? We know we want a cost analysis, but then it gets sort of vague as to what's included in that. Is it the salary, benefits, retirement? Is it insurance? Is it potential litigation costs based on what we've seen in the past with you know PDs across LA County? And I don't think that. I didn't see it included with it, and so if it is, fantastic, because we can't just get the, from what I re recall the uh, report saying, was the one-time startup um, uh, amount and then the operating cost, because that's just to get it off the ground. How do we continually keep it going? How do we make sure we're managing all of the potential ill effects that could come from it? I think all of that has to be considered in the cost for it to be a truly accurate um, number. Um, additionally, the, the group that was chosen um, I think, and to the point a few of you all made, I think Commissioner Balbone, you know, probably most, in, you know, most made this point, um, was looking at the specific types of needs that are specific to West Hollywood and making sure those are addressed. The response to that, it, it sounded like from the city staff, was that, well, we didn't want to tell them what those were going into it, right? So then that means we're now paying for people to discover a thing that we already know the answer to. We know the, what the 
the crimes are, we know what the community is already concerned of because they come here, they tell us, they write into you all. And so that should just be a part of a packet that we give to them to say, this is our city. This is what we need addressed and we need to see the numbers go down across the board with all crimes that we know are prevalent here. We know the time that they're prevalent, the times of year, we have this information. And so it doesn't, to me, make sense for us to pay for someone to discover this, to then do the work. Um, and I was a big fan of Arroyo Associates. Uh, they were one of the groups, they were they're, uh, women-owned, minority-owned, very small business. They're headquartered in LA. They've done work with LASA, which also kind of plays into the homelessness issues. They already have um, you know, a track record in that field, and so I would ask that you all reconsider uh, who the uh, proposed uh, contractor is. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Commission Secretary, do we have any um, questions in Q and Zoom on this topic? Uh, Chair, I believe that we that we do. Um, I just wanted to make sure we have no further uh, comment in, in chamber. So I will I will go to Zoom um, and I will start beginning calling on uh, folks to see whether or not uh, they are interested in providing public comment. So I will start uh, with the last four digits of 4723. Uh, 4723, uh, uh, if you could please press um, star six to unmute yourself. Um, if you'd like to speak on this item, uh, now is the appropriate time to do so. You'd have three minutes to speak. Please state your name, uh, whether or not you're a West Hollywood resident, um, and you can begin your, your public comment. I really question why this study was necessary. I and many in the community would like to know how this decision was made to go forward with very little input. This seems to be yet another cart before the horse scenario. Has the public had significant input on whether or not the community needs or wants a municipal police force? According to Commissioner Steele, and I thank you for your comments, Commissioner, this topic has not even come before this commission. For $200,000 worth of information, shouldn't we first know whether we want it or, in fact, need it? Do we need a separate municipal police force? Let's think this through. The comparisons alone are disturbing. I'm sorry, but Kansas City? I don't think so. Please think before you throw the baby out with the bathwater. We, we don't even know if, except for the previous studies we did over the last few years, whether, what our problems are. Are they, is it going to be more of the same, just different people? So before we make this drastic change and lose our sheriff's department for whom we would have, from whom we would have backup at any time, which we have now, um, I just want to go on record that I'm totally in support of the sheriff's department and I thank you for your service to this community. Please, let's have as much possible, as much as possible community input. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, I'll move on uh, to uh, the next caller um, with the last four digits of 5670. Um, if you could please unmute yourself by pressing star six, um, state your, your name, uh, whether or not you are a West Hollywood resident and whether or not you'd like to speak on this item, but this would be the appropriate time. Hello, uh, commissioners and, and uh, 
staff and uh, guests. My name is Yola Dore. I'm a 30-plus year resident of the city, and I'm speaking for myself. Like the previous speaker, Ms. Harker, I am diametrically opposed to your going forward with this item without more public input. I think spending this kind of money is wrong when you don't know what kind of people you're going to get. They could be actually worse than you pictured. If you think going out there to get a WeHo Municipal Police Department is going to be the answer to all the problems, I'm here to tell you it will not solve all the problems of our society today. In fact, it could make us more vulnerable with people that do not understand our lifestyle, our diversity, and our history. At least with our sheriff's department, many of them who are LGBT personnel themselves understand, have been trained and sensitized. Do we want to change this fast, this quick, at a time when we've had so many challenges? Please give this more thought. Maybe have a town hall, as Ms. Friedman recommended, or some other form of uh, open uh, conversation with the public. The residents are depending on you to do the right thing. I thank you so much. Thank you, Yola. Uh, we'll move on to the next uh, speaker um, in Zoom with the last four digits of 3156. If you can please unmute yourself, state your name, um, whether or not you are a West Hollywood resident, and you'll have three minutes to speak. Hi, this is Kathy Blavis, long-term resident of West Hollywood. Um, you know, before this meeting started this evening, um, I questioned, how did we get here? How did this happen so quick? Uh, so quickly, and then hearing, especially the comments of Commissioner Steele, um, it sounds to me as if this commission is questioning the same thing, or at least um, asking the right questions. Um, I'm actually going to use a word. I'm, I'm actually offended that this has gotten this far without any real significant or meaningful input or outreach to the community. I would. I would almost guarantee you walk down the street, ask 10 people. They don't even know this is happening. So all the other uh, comments aside, which I agree with, with regard to the budget, whether or not this is even necessary, whether or not um, uh, how we're going to, to make this work in terms of budgeting, um, my first and foremost concern is that uh, somebody on this commission said this evening, the taxpayers are paying for this. 
And being one of the taxpayers, um, I, I'm just so disappointed that it's come this far without our input. So I'm in agreement with uh, the other comments this evening. I think this has happened too fast. I think we need to take a step back. I agree with the advice of the commissioners. Um, I thank uh, Commissioner Steele and Commissioner Balbone for even suggesting that they listen to what we have to say before moving on. Uh, I thank Tori Booker for his um, questions. Uh, also, Robert Oliver and Chair Holman. So please don't let this go any further before there's significant and meaningful input and outreach to the community. Thank you for your time and your service. Thank you, Kathy, for those comments. Um, and then I will move on to the last uh, telephone number in Zoom, um, ending with the last four digits of 5753. If you could please unmute yourself, um, state your name, um, and whether or not you are a West Hollywood resident, um, and you'll have three minutes to speak. Good evening, commissioners and city staff and guests. My name is Ms. Tiger. I am the co-chair of the LGBTQ Plus Advisory Board. And in prior LGBTQ Plus Advisory Board meeting discussions, the majority of our board supports the West Hollywood Municipal Police Department and the much-needed community town hall. I ask that when considering the cost and scope of creating a West Hollywood Police Department, that robust programs of equity and training regarding the LGBTQ plus community be considered. It is my opinion that training is extremely lacking in our current sheriff's department, so much so that despite numerous requests over a two-year period, our board was unable to obtain adequate information on current sensitivity training regarding the LGBTQ plus community. In many of our meetings, there were numerous instances in which members of the LGBTQ plus community shared that they were told by West Hollywood deputies that they could not file a report or were encouraged not to file a report, especially in matters pertaining to ITV and nightlife, as well as there were many reports to our board and that our board received in which LGBTQ plus residents were laughed at by attending West Hollywood deputies and that victims did not receive proper care during various incidents in which deputies were involved. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, Chair, that is the last speaker on Zoom. Okay, and then also Commissioner Secretary, just double checking, no more um, public comments in chambers? No, we don't have any more public comments in chambers. Okay, great. Um, Commissioner, so, um, we've heard from the public. Um, let's have our discussion. Um, I just want us to be aware of time, even though this is an incredibly important issue. Um, we do have two presenters waiting in chambers to present to us mm -hmm. on another um, agenda item. So, um, Commissioner Oliver. Thank you to everybody who uh, took the time to speak tonight. I did want to add one more question and concern. Um, every four years, a new uh, sheriff is elected, and sometimes they're, um, I wasn't a fan of the last one. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and, I, and I was happy in the last election uh, for a change. Um, on that note, I do 
I would like to know from any consultant how, if a West Hollywood Police Department were created in this 1.88 square mile city, um, how would there be a wall of separation created between um, city council um, and the police? So there isn't political influence. Um, and that's not a commentary on any council members, uh, potentially future council members. Um, that that's a, a, an institution that we would need to create. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Seale. Thank you. Yeah, to echo what um, Commissioner Oliver said, we did get that question from community, and I do think it's a, a very important piece of the puzzle is the recruiting and the hiring, and then also um, is this an elected position? So just to know, like, in that work and in the body of the research and the study um, to make sure that we're incorporating that. Um, I wanna clarify a few things for the public just so that I'm very clear um, about, uh, and, and we're all very clear about what it is that I'm saying. Um, this dialogue started in 2020. The city, I wanna also be fair to the city staff and the city manager um, with the amount of communication that did already happen because quite a bit did happen. I'm just saying we need more. So the city engaged with communi community in the spring of 22 for dialogue with a community dialogue session. And it was a part of the community safety and well-being strategy that was presented and presented to council. Um, funds are allocated for this work. This work has already gone through to council. So this study is moving forward. Um, so we're not here to debate the question of whether or not it goes forward, but when and how. And I think that's, that's the crux of it, right? So just to know. And I think even being respectful of the information we just received and hearing, we do have community members that have had substantive issues um, with some of the things we've been talking about LGBTQ plus training for quite a while. I attended the LGBTQ plus training. Um, and so... There are a lot of factors that come into play here. What I am saying is when this moved through council to the um, RFP process, those pieces did not come to this body and certainly not any dialogue about the interviews. I didn't know they happened until I got the staff report. Um, I don't agree with the decision. I. Um, like the Maroon Society for this for a variety of reasons, one of which was that um, they right out of the gate had dialogue in what they submitted for us about policing equity, about accountability, about mental health, and those pieces that I did not see laid out so well um, or at all in many of the other submissions. So, you know, we're talking about these things as it relates to how do we adjust this for our current um, contract and I think we have to look at all those things and know that they're looking at all those things and certainly for looking to build um, our own police force the other thing that I wanted to I already mentioned the team sorry bear with me one one quick sec I don't mean I don't want to delay for the folks that are presenting but this is extremely important dialogue I think that um, we need to have a working session that is publicly noticed, as we always do, that lets the public engage and hear us have a deeper dive dialogue. And I think that feedback needs to go back and needs to be entered into um, this program. There were a couple other things about the submissions, but I will 
Oh, and the work that this, excuse me, the work that Maroon Society also does, their body of work, the breadth of their staff, they had the most inclusive staff, they had the most diverse uh, staff, uh, which I think is extremely important. Um, you know, the, the work of Lawrence Green alone, I thought is incredible body of work. Dr. Kari Brown, incredible work. Um, I looked at every single person's resume and every single person's body of work on every single one of these submissions. So I'm saying it from that lens. Mental health and security teams, it's also the only group that I saw talk about cross-sector collaboration um, in a kind of a nuanced way that lets me know that they are really looking at West Hollywood and understanding how we're made up, what we have in place, and why it's so important to understand the, the different bodies. So that's, those are my thoughts, thank you. Thank you, um, Commissioner Steele. Um, Vice Chair Balbone, do you have any additional comments? Um. You know, at this point, I think we probably need to determine our course of action as, you know, a commission. It sounds like we don't feel comfortable with the process <laughs> as it's played out to this point, but it's on us to make a recommendation on how it moves forward. It may be heard, it may not be, but I, I haven't heard one person say, this is the best thing that's ever happened, let's go forward. So I think that's we've got to spend the next couple minutes figuring out what is it that we want from this based on what we've heard from the community and what we've all gathered in our discussion. Thank you, Commissioner Berger. I agree with uh, Commissioner Balbone that we, we need to um, decide if we're gonna bring this back, what, what, what our next steps are. So personally, I like the idea of uh, taking our time a little bit more slowly. I think it's important for our community as well um, that they can weigh in, and I think that that's a big piece of this. Um, City Manager Wilson, um, this is already on the schedule to go to council in March, correct? Yes. But the council and that staff report will include the discussion that was had here tonight. Um, and so the council could decide, they could go with the recommendation um, of, of matrix. Uh, they can decide to do something else, which could include deciding to do more community outreach before they make a selection. Um, but we'll, they'll certainly hear um, what's been said tonight and they'll hear it before that meeting because we always provide them with the notes of the meeting. Um, and so I mean, at that point, it really will be up to the council if, if they wanna move forward um, right away or not. Thank you. So commissioners, with that being said, um, I don't see how it's feasibly possible for us to do a study unless we have a special meeting next week. Um, Is there a mention tonight? Like, are we voting on an action? I'd like to make a motion, if I may, but I also think it's important to note that what Mr. Martin said is correct, that something that's intended to go to council is an intention. Nothing goes to council and nothing is on that agenda until it's publicly noticed, and it's our responsibility to steward that. Um, and so I appreciate that, but there have been things we've been waiting on for months that have not been pushed through <laughs> at all, let alone this quickly. So. Um, I'd like to make a motion that we have a working study session that is a publicly noticed meeting um, that 
allows the public to give their input and allows this body to do a much deeper dive of this dialogue. When it came to the budgeting process for the city's current contract, it was months and months and months and months of dialogue, right? And that was a small budget adjustment. This is a big, big project, and I think it requires bigger thinking and a bigger dialogue. So I would like to make a motion to have a working study session prior to making any other um, efforts on this. Thank you. Um, Director Rivas. Um, council here, please. Um, I, yeah, again, just to kind of reiterate what city manager had mentioned and what I responded to when you asked me the question earlier is taking into account again all the comments and everything that had been made um, this evening with the recommended um, action of support from the commission and allowing the city council the opportunity given again that it was a city council directive. Um, this is a part of the process and as the city manager had stated uh, the city council can then uh, direct staff to establish a community listening session. I know you reference chair um, next week, but the reality is, is there's a lot to consider in terms of scheduling a meeting. Um, it's not as easy as just saying, hey, we're gonna have a meeting next week. Um, so I just wanna be uh, practical in that regard. Um, so, you know, we're um, planning on taking uh, the item, which is the first meeting in March. Uh, which is just around the corner um, in terms of submitting, taking into account what we've heard um, this evening, incorporating that into the existing staff report that you all have before you, um, and then allowing the city council to make a determination again to consider staff's recommendation or um, take other alternative action based off of what the commission has mentioned this evening. Great, thank you. Um, that's kind of the answer I was looking for. So I appreciate it. So commissioners, with that being said, um, this is our only opportunity. I don't agree. There's a, number one, there's a motion on the floor. So there is an active motion on the floor. I would like to see if there's a second. And I, I don't agree that this is our only opportunity when it's been so thin of an opportunity. I appreciate, Chair, that you were involved, that you were invited to sit at that table. And, I, and I'm thrilled for a variety of reasons that you were, sincerely. So you feel much closer to this and you feel informed and you feel that you have what you need. I don't think anyone else here has expressed that and I don't agree. I also don't agree that this is our only opportunity. I, don't, I didn't think a meeting would get scheduled in a week. I understand what goes into that. I know what, what it took for us to reschedule our last meeting. What I'm saying is um, I wouldn't be comfortable at all agreeing that what's, how things have been responded to here tonight makes me feel confident that everything we're talking about is going to be in active dialogue and a part of this work. And if that's the case, then I would spend the next hour putting together questions and structure to go to council. So um, I would like to continue my motion, please. I will second the motion um, with the basis that we've heard from the community. There isn't support. The commissioners here who spend time on these reports and spend time listening to the community and looking at these issues don't support the pace at which we're moving. And I think that's gotta be respected, so I second the motion. Um, Director Rivas, where do we go from here? Um, so, uh, if, if that's the, the action and, and what um, the commission wishes to do, then we can take a, a vote, uh, commission secretary, on that. 
Um, Commissioner Seal, do you want to clarify the motion? Yeah, sorry, thank you. Um, I'm making a motion to have a working study session to review all submissions and provide feedback back to the city manager and city staff to revisit this RFB interview process if necessary based on what comes from that meeting and community input. Is that So you're clear? saying you want to review all six submissions? Yeah, I thought that's what we were coming here to do. Um, and so it, it, it felt like a little more of a receive and file, but yeah, I think we have a responsibility to review them, but also just to add more, it seems like we have a lot more questions for anyone that's being considered. Okay, and Thank I you. understand that, Thank that you. makes sense. Um, I just want to say the interview process was a two-day process. So I don't know if one meeting we're going to be able to review all six. Yeah, so I, I think you would be just reviewing the um, written proposals. You would not be interviewing all of the yeah. Correct. Uh, That's consulting teams. Would we have enough time in one meeting to review all the written proposals? I'd like to point something out. The Human Services Commission reviews proposals for a much smaller budget, and they have a process that they do so every year. So this isn't the first time this city has done an RFP and picked someone to do studies and to work for us. And again, it, it, it feels like we're being put in the position to say, go forward with this because it was asked for. There is a level of discomfort with the transparency of this process and the speed at which it's happening. So we can either review all of these things or we can let the city council know there is not community support for the pace that this is moving and the level of transparency. I'm good either way, but that's, I think, something that when we get wrapped around the axle of saying that we've got all this work to do, every year we decide on the human services budget and it's what, like 2.6 million? This is a much bigger budget and we're ramming it through and nobody, nobody's been involved. So I, I just wanna call that out when we get wrapped up in the timing. We can slow the roll on this. It's a very important decision. We have had a lot of community unrest on public safety, the fact that we might delay a report coming from a vendor that a very small portion of people selected for a project that not everybody bought into, I mean, that's a problem. And we're usurping the, the democratic process. It's happened twice now. Nobody can disrupt and not allow a body to vote. We have a Okay, motion. so um, I think I understand how everyone feels, so we need to take a vote, correct, Director Rivas? Based off of what, what I'm hearing again, I mean, I, I, I heard what Vice Chair Bob Bone had mentioned and uh, to her point, and I know we're, uh, you know, stressing that and understand and value everybody's input and feedback on the process, but all of that can be articulated um, to the city council um, and they will weigh the option, I think, um, to the city manager's point, obviously what ends up being sent to the city council um, even prior um, to them receiving the comments and the input and the feedback is a summary from staff. It actually comes from the liaison, which is myself, uh, that will summarize um, and outline everything that's been touched on um, this evening. Um, again, in addition to adding that to the staff report. So I think um, many of the commissioners and members of the public have mentioned that um, loud and clear. And so 
um, that obviously will be reflected in the staff report um, no differently than you know with other commissions and bodies obviously that review and that there's input and feedback asked you know all of that is incorporated um, for consideration um, it's part of the many memos that we um, right put together based off of the commission's input and feedback that we sent on items, um, even receiving file items. I bring up the dockless mobility um, item that was brought forth by long range planning and parking services um, that was really a receiving file, but taking into account all of the commissioners input and feedback in that. And we sent that to the city council, right, for consideration. Same thing that we did with the nighttime safety. So, um, you know, the city council uh, will definitely hear and receive all of that information, certainly copy all of the commissioners in regard to that, we understand that this is a very important item. Um, the written proposals and what you've seen that have been attached to the staff report um, was one portion uh, of what was considered. Obviously there was uh, a second component of that, which included the interview process. Um, so, you know, uh, I know many folks because that's all they have to see, right, is the written proposal. But um, in addition to that, uh, there was the interview process that the chair had mentioned. And so weighing out both of those uh, different components obviously allowed um, the individual panel to, to make the decisions that, uh, that they made. So, um, and city manager, I don't know if you have any uh, additional comments. Uh, no, not at this time. Um, I guess what I would suggest, instead of trying to schedule another meeting, if that's what you all decide you wanna do, that maybe you spend your March meeting on just this, um, and then we take this the second meeting in March. Um, so at least they'll hear the feedback um, from you all in the community um, if you expect greater feedback at that meeting. So um, just so we understand your recommendation, instead of taking this to the first city council meeting, um, it'll go forward the second meeting of the month which will give us the opportunity to discuss again. Yeah, if that's what the, this body wants to do. <laughs> but again, you'd just be providing feedback as you did tonight, feedback well, and number, input from you I, all. I appreciate that. That's not actually true though, right? Because one member of this body was fully engaged and immersed in this process and had a voice and the rest of us did not. And so we've said repeatedly now, we don't feel we've all had the opportunity to dialogue um, and to ask more full questions. So I think saying you'll have feedback, it sounds like a, a, a memo as opposed to a working, a body of work. This is under the purview of this body. It's what this body is here to do. We are here to look at these contracts. We are here to look at our service partners and see what they're doing. And when the big, one of the biggest studies that we've had that has come along in a very long time that is wrapped in everything this body is supposed to be doing according to our own bylaws, it is being pushed. And I still feel like it's being pushed on another agenda. I'm not interested in council's agenda or anyone's agenda. I am interested in the work of this body, honoring the commitment for what we serve in accordance with our bylaws and in accordance with serving the public. And I'm also not interested in not moving forward with a vote that has a standing motion on the floor that should go to a roll call vote without further influence from city officials. There is a motion and there is a second and we should have the roll call vote. 
Well, I think, and I understand that, thank you, mm -hmm. um, Commissioner Steele. I think what City Manager Wilson is offering this commission is the opportunity to revisit this in our meeting, and then the report will go to City Council following our meeting. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I think to go back to nightlife, nightlife safety, we did have a working study session because the body of work was so important. We felt it was. I think we have too much to cover in these meetings. I think this is too big of a dialogue, and I think it needs to be its own meeting and not that we need to sacrifice an agenda because we just, I think you've done such a great job of tightening those agendas up that they're thinner now, but even still, there's so much to do. And I think this it's big enough and important enough that it requires a working study group dedicated to this specific thing so that we can do it like nightlife safety. And by the way, we're still waiting on feedback from a lot of the nightlife safety items and actions. So look how long that's taken. And this feels like we're, we're pushing and pushing and pushing it. I don't know what the push is for. This, is a, this has been a decades-long conversation in this city. Why are, what's the, I don't know what we're racing against with, with March. I just don't, do we get a discount if we do this in March versus April or May? I just, I, I don't understand. Hey, thank you, Commissioner Steele. Yeah, I, um, Manager Wilson, your comments. Yeah. I was, I was going to remind the body that this, that this is just a feasibility study. Like we're not making a decision whether or not we're having our own police department or not. This study is truly just the feasibility study of what it would cost to do that. And we haven't done that before. I know we've talked about this for decades, but we haven't um, actually done a feasibility study to have the numbers to go with that discussion. So that's really the only intention of this. It's not any decision whether or not um, we're going to continue with the sheriff's contract or have our own municipal police force. Thank it's you. The what, it, what would it require? Thank you. And I think we know that, but it's much bigger than just the numbers or budget conversation. It is a nuanced conversation. So I'm aware of it. I know what we're here to be reviewing. I appreciate that input. Um, I, I have one thing to add that we might not be no, uh, aware of to, that might play into this. I, I think that it seems like there's everybody's agreeing, but it's just the, the dates. Um, for one thing, there's going to be a lot of reading and a lot of things to wade through if we've got this one was big by itself. Of, and we need time to, to digest that. And number two, um, the council is supposed to make commissioner appointments for this commission right now. and and this is the end for, of this term right now, this, this meeting. And they aren't all represented. We've got a couple of people here missing and they not, there might be other replacements by next meeting even. So I think that that's something to consider is if you're gonna try to do a special meeting or something or whatever it is before the next meeting, that is something to consider because the, the amount of work that this is going to require to go to go through these and read all of this and the number of commissioners that are here that are seated now so i think it's important to consider putting this off maybe until our next meeting instead of and and not saying that's the end either whether it needs more time additional time after that um 
Director Rivas, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think by our next meeting, we won't have our new appointed commissioners at that time in the, March. That, that is correct. My, my understanding is the appointments um, to commissions and advisory boards will occur um, sometime next month. So, um, you know, our next uh, commission meeting obviously is the second Monday um, of every month, and so that's on the schedule. Um, so there, you know, we, we don't anticipate any um, additional new appointments, um, but. Okay, great. Yeah. So commissioners, with that being said, we're it. So we have to roll with this. We have to make a decision um, now what we're going to do. Do we have, do we need to vote on this motion now that a motion has been made? There, there is a motion on the floor. I know Vice Chair Balbone had um, made some changes or amendments to that or had added additional language. So if, you know, if you want to restate what the motion is, because I know we had dialogue after that, uh, so everybody's clear on exactly what it is that um, you would be um, voting on. But again, to uh, city manager's uh, point, I mean, having um, the meeting, uh, the next public safety commission meeting dedicated to um, this topic, I know that we have the monthly reports and the information that obviously is posted and maybe something to consider is, um, you know, maybe not having um, uh, presentations by um, our public safety partners. Obviously you have the reports, that information will be attached. Um, and that's certainly something that we can have a discussion on in April, similar to what we did uh, this evening where we covered December and January. Um, and that way we just jump right into the conversation um, and, and spend um, adequate time um, going through the proposals and um, hearing from each of the commissioners in terms of any additional input and feedback um, from what we've already heard this evening. Um, I would be all right if we devoted the meeting next month, I think that that would give everyone time to read. There's a lot of reading for anyone in the public, anyone who needs to finish that up, that gives us a month to do that, and that would still be before uh, any actions taken at council, at least a, a week before. Yeah, and um, Commissioner Steele, not to usurp your amendment, but that seems to be a good working option that we dedicate the bulk of our March meeting to this topic um, before the report goes to City Council. Would we be able to notice that as a special meeting with this, with this being the topic of focus? Um, I mean, I'll have to discuss with the City Clerk, but generally we just use the special meeting topic if we're meeting, um, let's say, like an hour earlier um, than we typically do, um, you know, or a different day, um, like we did on Friday on, in December. I think we did that on the 9th. Um, that was a Friday, so we, we titled that. So, I mean, that could be something, too, if the commission the wants to meet maybe an hour earlier. The agenda, though, would be identical if we just stripped everything out as a special, it would just be the, a different name. Yeah, and the only thing that I would recommend is, I know that when Human Services does their voting, they also go to each of the boards and commission and let them know when they will be voting and what the structure will be. So to get the word out, that's more of what I'm thinking is either special agenda or we take steps to make sure that people know 
that our next meeting will be focused on this topic and to please come and please review what's available. So we can definitely work um, with um, our community and legislative affairs um, division um, and community services um, and even the city clerk's office. I don't want to tie one department to the other, but um, obviously they have the email list, right, of all of the commissions, advisory boards, and then send um, an email out um, informing them um, about um, the meeting um, next month and it being dedicated to this topic. I would like to do a time check. I think we agreed um, several meetings ago that nine o'clock would be our. It's end. actually ten. Is it ten? It's ten. Well, we do have yeah. present. Yeah, I, we may PM. not make ten o'clock at the. No, rate. we will, um, commissioners. I think we need to. As chair, my recommendation is we focus. Look, we're we're not all going to get what we want. That's just not life. However, I think if we agree to dedicate our next meeting to this that gives us time to review as well as make our recommendations to city council so it can be presented to them the second meeting of the month. I think that's um, a good working consensus here. I think I appreciate that. I don't, I don't think anyone thinks they're going to get what they want. So I think we all know and understand that. What I think is there's the beat that we're missing in this is the feedback versus providing information. I don't want the, I guess, sorry, what I'm saying is I don't want to give the council feedback with a recommendation. I want to provide feedback that goes to the staff for further vetting on this process well before it goes back to council. So that's, that's why I'm trying to say to have a separate working study session. I also think if we don't put any barometer in place, um, it'll be a three-hour dialogue, and I think there need to be just some other things there. And I think if we had a working session, we could do that. We could create an agenda. We can create, you know, some very specific checks and balances and engage with the community differently. Um, so that's the reason I like it. If it's the will of the body and everybody wants to do next meeting, that's totally fine. I just, my intention with that working session was to also give feedback and ask the staff revisit it and get some more things answered before it goes to council because there's things missing um, in here. So I don't think as it stands, as work is ready to go to council, whether we talk about it or we don't, I think more needs to be done and that's why we have to talk about it. So that, that's my intention. I just want you to know my intention behind it. Okay. Um, let's put a close to this. Um, Director Rivas, um, are we voting on the motion or are we voting on bringing this forward at our next meeting? Uh, that's uh, the will of the commission to discuss. I mean, so again, there was a motion on the floor originally. If somebody wants to make an amendment to that motion or you want to follow through with a vote on the motion on the floor, we've provided some alternative um, options to dedicating the next meeting, um, doing the special uh, meeting, uh, pushing that out communication-wise to advisory boards and other commissions as well to participate. Um, so there are a number of things. So if Commissioner Steele wants to make an amendment, if you want to follow through with the initial uh, motion and see where that lands, or make an amendment and make some adjustments, it's up to you as the commission. Commissioner Steele? I'd like to leave it, but I think I'll leave the choice if I can to Vice Chair Balbone because she seconded the motion. Are you still comfortable with the motion that you seconded to move us forward? Um, so here's what I believe. I believe that 
whenever we meet, there will need to be extensive agenda preparation. And here is what I would propose as an amendment. If we want to use our next meeting to discuss this topic, there needs to be a small subgroup of the commission, we can vote on who that is tonight, to meet with staff to talk about how we will structure the agenda for that discussion in advance of the meeting. Um, and I would propose that if we want to do next meeting, that we do that and that we just have a roll call vote on doing this at our next meeting and also noting who will develop the agenda working with staff to make sure it's focused and structured. That's okay. what I propose. So that's the amendment, correct? All right, so um, Commissioner Secretary, I think we're ready to vote. Commissioner Berger? Aye. Commissioner Oliver? Aye. Commissioner Steele? Aye. Vice Chair Balbone? Aye. Chair Hallman? Abstain. And the second part of that would have been that we have to make nominations for who puts the agenda together. I nominate Commissioner Steele. Well, um, yeah, so um, actually in terms of the agenda, yeah, so staff prepares uh, the agenda, but obviously in consultation um, with the commission. Um, and what I'm hearing obviously is the, you know, like the nighttime safety, I think it was community listening and study session. I know it was, it was lengthy, but um, how we kind of structured that, um, I would kind of use that as an example or not, obviously making some adjustments, but, um, and again, we maybe don't even need to, if it's the will of the commission, to have those monthly reports, we can suspend it for that, knowing that just like, again, what we just did this evening, where we had December and January's um, data, right, from fire block by block and the sheriffs um, done in the April meeting, and we can cover that. So again, that just leaves that um, that item um, dedicated to um, to this important topic. So I think that's a good idea. I mean, it seemed to work very well tonight. Um, it wasn't very labor intensive. So I think we do two months in April and dedicate more time to this topic in March. Yeah. And just, so just to be clear, because we voted on a subgroup of people to dialogue with, or a person or persons, to dialogue with you directly. So I just want to be clear that I will be able to be in dialogue with you about that agenda because... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If it's the will of the commission, and it sounds like there's consensus there unless somebody's... Um, chair always works on the agenda with The you, chair right? and the vice mm -hmm. chair. Yeah. Um, and, and if I you want to add I another will. commissioner, and I'll touch bases with the city clerk's office, obviously, to, to make sure, um, you know, how many members of the commission, but um, if it's, there's consensus with uh, the commission in terms of that. Well, I think it's normally chair and vice chair, so... Um, are you saying you would um, allow Commissioner Steele to step in on your behalf? Yeah, absolutely. I have every confidence in that. No objection. Let's move on. Okay. Um, Director Rivas, can we move on? Yes, we can. All right. Um, City Manager Wilson, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you being here. Uh, moving on, on our agenda. Our next item is item 9B, the HIV zero initiative. Um, where are our presenters? Gentlemen, thank you for your patience. I'm sure it's been a learning experience. 
Can you hear me off this one? Yes, you can. Yes. Yes. Yes, it has been a learning experience, and thank you for the shout out to the Human Services Commission. They do a lot of good work. So, and before um, you start, not to interrupt you, but um, I'd like for you to introduce yourself. Sure. And I have a quick comment that I'd like to make about this, and then I will kick it to you. Of course. So my name is Derek Murray. I'm with the Social Services Division, and I'm joined by my colleague. I don't know if this one is on. So red. Oh, good evening, everyone. My name is Dr. Aaron Sellius. I'm the director of research and strategy for uh, Maroon Society, and I'm happy to be here tonight. Great, thank you, gentlemen. Before you start, um, the reason why I put this forward in front of this body um, is as a gay man that lived through the pandemic in the '80s. Um, I saw a lot of horrific things, a lot of horrific deaths and people who died alone, isolated from their families, sometimes their friends. Um, we are in a different place now. We have preventative drugs. Um, we also have drugs that can assist people that may be HIV positive um, but what concerns me, and this is not pause shaming anyone, but on a lot of the apps that I'm on, as a gay man, I'm on numerous ones. I'm not ashamed of that. And I'll scroll through profiles and I see mentioned by younger gay and queer men in their early 20s to maybe late 30s that are HIV positive. So my concern is, are we doing everything that we can to prevent this? Because they did not see the carnage that I saw. I wear my ex's name on my wrist. I haven't taken this off since 96. It's one of the original Until There's a Cure bracelet. But I think we become complacent. So I give you the opportunity to present to us how we're handling this. Great, thank you so much, commissioners, and good evening. Um, once again, as I said, my name is Derek Murray, and I'm joined by my, with my colleague, Dr. Aaron Celius, and we're gonna discuss the HIV Zero Initiative, which was a five-year initiative um, from 2016 to 2021. Uh, we just gave this presentation to the American Public Health Association in Boston back in November, um, and really our intention was to instruct other small and medium-sized cities on how to create a similar initiative to the one that we have. So, um, West Hollywood, of course, was one of the first local governments that to provide social service grants to HIV organizations, and its leadership has um, directed tens of millions of dollars to um, social service agencies to provide um, HIV prevention and care services. Um, we currently budget around $7 million right now, the Social Services Division, for a full range of services. The funds are used to cover uh, not only residents, but also those who work, those who go to school, um, those who own property, and those who spend a significant amount of time unhoused in the city. 
Um, in 2015, two city council members who are openly living with HIV directed staff to collaborate with social service providers, the LA County Department of Public Health, community clinics, and other government agencies to develop this strategic plan aimed at reducing the rates of infection and slowing disease progression. So the vision of the HIV Zero Initiative is for West Hollywood to be a place where um, People living with HIV have easy access to comprehensive health care and social support and a place where no community member has an elevated risk for HIV or encounter discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. The initiative ran from 2016 to 2021 uh, and of course we're here to discuss the results and share lessons learned from this work. Next slide please. So the four goals of the HIV Zero Initiative was to increase health insurance enrollment, reduce HIV infections, reduce HIV disparities in care, and reduce the number of AIDS diagnoses per year. Uh, next slide. So here I want to talk about my role as a city administrator. So the city is a small contract city, as you know, and no services are provided in-house. We rely on both the County Department of Public Health and also our network of nonprofit community-based organizations that we contract with uh, to, to provide this full range of um, services. The first step, at least the, first, the city's first step, was to do an assessment of all of our social service providers and all of our contracts to identify the gaps in service. Um, we spent the first six months of this initiative holding listening sessions with key informants, such as the providers, people living with HIV, older adults, the unhoused community, and especially um, transgender community members. Every three years, we release an RFP, and we highlighted these needs as part of um, the initiative, which resulted in additional investments towards new and enhanced programs uh, that brought on a lot of additional services, such as, and I have these listed here, such as rental assistance for older adults, a right to counsel program, otherwise known as the eviction defense program, um, for anybody who's at risk of eviction, workforce development for transgender community members, as well as gender identity training for employers, um, of course, PrEP and PEP services, a weekly syringe exchange, which is located uh, in a popular cruising destination, um, and in this past funding cycle, we brought on a mobile medical van, uh, mobile, mobile medical crisis response team to provide direct medical, mental health, and substance use treatment to unhoused community members. So what's interesting about this contract, which is new, is that they're equipped to provide STD, STI testing and treatment services, as well as HIV medication management services. So they have been reinitiating people in antiretroviral therapy, which is a really good thing and part of this initiative too. So I'm gonna hand this over to uh, my colleague, Dr. Celius, but first I wanted to mention that uh, a brief note, uh, since you all are in public health and don't discuss this all the time, um, is that we'll be discussing a chronic disease model, which is the HIV care continuum. Um, this model outlines the steps that people with HIV go through from diagnosis to achieving viral suppression. So the steps in this model are diagnoses of HIV infection, diagnoses, linkage to HIV medical care, receipt of HIV medical care, retention in treatment, and then also the achievement and maintenance of viral suppression. 
So viral suppression is defined as having less than 200 copies of uh, HIV per millimeter of blood, uh, and one achieves this by consistently taking their medication. Um, HIV medicine can also make the viral load so low that it doesn't show up in a standard lab test. Uh, this is called having an undetectable viral load. Um, reaching and maintaining HIV viral suppression or an undetectable viral load is the primary goal of um, HIV treatment. So the CDC, the NIH, World Health Organization all conclude that a person with an undetectable viral load uh, cannot transmit HIV through sex. Um, otherwise known as U equals U, uh, undetectable equals untransmittable. So I'm going to hand this over to Dr. Celius. Thank you so much, Derek. That's fantastic. Next slide, please. So I guess from the, from the start, I'm going to talk about the methods that we use to evaluate uh, the progress toward the, the four goals and all the indicators of progress. Uh, but I'd like to say that uh, over the last six years evaluating this and working with uh, the community partners, the social services providers, city staff, and commissions, uh, this is really a success story. We, we evaluate these types of public health uh, programs uh, in different areas, but this is one of the most successful that, me per that I personally have worked on in the last 25 years. So um, it's an empty room tonight. Hopefully there are people watching, but it, every time we present, it's, it, it's, it's been a remarkable success. Um, so for the methods that we use to evaluate this, we looked at, um, you can click, I think there may be some other things there. Um, we looked at the social services contracts and the providers. We worked with them from the beginning to make sure that they understand the data needs and that they are understanding their role in making this entire thing possible. Um, that included reproductive health, HIV uh, care, mental health outreach, uh, as well as substance use, and the, the list that, that Derek shared in some of the previous slides. So we analyzed their performance the social services contract provider performance. We looked at also the HIV uh, surveillance data on an annual basis. Now, what you're gonna see tonight, what, what I'll present, is data that's shared typically every, every 18 months per CDC guidelines. There has to be an, a, a time period in which they let the data season just to make sure that there's nothing that's misreported. And so we looked at the HIV surveillance data. And Something that's unique to this municipality, to the city of West Hollywood, was that we conducted a biannual survey on stigma every year. Uh, we did nine ways of that, and that was a survey that included outreach to the community uh, at a variety of local events, uh, Pride being one of them that we were able to do every year before the pandemic, um, sample Saturdays, as well as other means of getting the word out, working with some of our, providing, uh, our provider partners. Um, and with that, that was a unique and is a unique survey because we looked at measuring uh, stigma, some of the things that uh, the chair mentioned in terms of fear and stigma around HIV. That's exactly what we wanted to look at because we know that as a model, as a city uh, that is experiencing HIV at a much higher rate than almost any other city in the nation, it was important to make sure that West Hollywood is a place that is inclusive and making sure that people feel safe and included in, in the entire life cycle of, of being a, a community member. Um, so just putting that, that background into, into it. And so now let's, uh, I'd like to talk about some of the successes. Next slide, please. So 
as Derek had mentioned, one of the primary goals was increasing uh, access to healthcare. We know that when people have access to competent, uh, culturally competent healthcare, they're going to have the ability to take uh, better care of themselves and have health outcomes that are better. And so that includes people that are either living with HIV or those that are at an elevated risk. And so at the beginning of this uh, initiative, men that are 18 to 44 years old, primarily gay and bisexual men, were at an elevated risk for HIV, uh, and they were also the least likely to have access to health care through health insurance. And so, as we can see, this is one of the, one of the, the major uh, successes, is that in 2015, 78% had uh, health insurance, and by 2020, 92%. So, that's a major, a major improvement. Next slide, please. The second goal, it also speaks for itself, uh, reducing annual HIV diagnoses. We see in 2015, annually there were 63 in that year. As of the last reporting period, it's down to 22. So that's cutting it by a third, or three times, I should say. Next slide, please. Linkage to care. Uh, this is the continuum of care we're going to get into that period that Derek had mentioned. The first one is linkage. So this is being diagnosed and being linked to a healthcare provider, an HIV provider, within 30 days. It was staying relatively flat for the majority of this evaluation period, but in 2020, it went up to 91%. We're hoping and hopeful that it will stay there and, and increase, but at least staying there would be fantastic. Um, and just to, as a reminder, that's linkage within 30 days. Next slide, please. Retention in care. So this is one of the, the goals that has been stagnant stubbornly. Um, there's a variety of reasons that we believe this may be the case. One is that um, as biomedical interventions have been more successful, people are less likely to go to their provider, and that's this measure. This is a measure of what's your viral load when you are, or, What's your viral load when you're being tested either once in a 12-month period or twice separated by six months? And as well, this, the baseline for these statistics is based on everyone, with, everyone living with um, HIV, and private providers do not need to report to the county. And so we're only getting a, a glimpse of the picture, and so that's, that's something that we might want to rethink when we, when we look at progress going forward. Uh, next slide, please. Oh, sorry, yes. I just wanted to add one thing to that. So when um, Dr. Celius mentions the private providers, um, those are not the clinics that we contract with. The clinics that we contract with also receive federal funds, and they have to report on this continuum of care as a basis to their contract. So um, a lot of the folks that we work with, um, we're receiving this data from. Thank you for that clarification, right. And so in a previous um, report and presentation, we looked at Ryan White providers because we thought it better reflected the population that uh, we are getting more accurate data for. And that's something that, that we sometimes present on as well. Um, for viral suppression, this, although it looks like there's a huge uh, variation it's, we're, we're looking at just a few percentage points. Uh, 69% in 2015 to 67 um, as of 2021. 
we would like that viral suppression number to go up again, but that is also based on the reporting versus the, the public providers, Ryan White recipients, versus the total population that have a good amount in private, private care. Next slide, please. Reducing disparity. So this is, this is reflective of the way we defined disparity at the beginning of the evaluation was we want to make sure that we want to, the goal is to make West Hollywood a place where no specific person or group has an elevated risk for HIV. At that time, when we developed this, uh, younger men, younger gay and bisexual men had that elevated risk. And so this is a demonstration of reduction in disparity because we're seeing those numbers go down within that group that at the beginning had the highest and elevated risk. Uh, next slide, please. That AIDS, AIDS diagnosis have gone down tremendously. This is one of the, one of the, success, one of the major successes of this uh, HIV Zero initiative. 24 in 2015, down to 11 as of the last reporting period is amazing, amazing progress. You know, we're going to mention the end. So that's out of 2,250 people who are living with HIV here in the city. Thank you. Uh, next slide, please. So I had mentioned at the beginning that we have been conducting biannual surveys on stigma. And so what I'd like to direct you to is the, the, the sample or the, the participants who are living with HIV. I think those are the numbers that are, are, are really helpful to look at in this, in this uh, presentation. So we know that having comfort speaking with the doctor is going to increase one's likelihood of getting the best care possible and having those frank conversations um, is part of that process. And so that's why we asked the question, how comfortable are you speaking with your healthcare provider about sex and your sex life? Um, we see that those living with HIV, they had already a high level of comfort, 87% in 2017, and that went up slightly to 89%. So stayed positive, got a little bit better. Next slide, please. Oh. Can you just mention how you received the, these, uh, this data, these data? Oh, yeah, so, great. So these data were, were received by uh, Maroon Society staff doing direct outreach uh, and interviews and surveys with community members. Um, that was the primary way that we were getting uh, participation from community members. I, I'd mentioned Sample Saturday and Pride. Um, some of the, so, the majority of our research was done with an, a person with a, a, a tablet going up to a person and conducting the survey and with questions that may have been considered more sensitive, allowing the person or the participant to select on the screen themselves. But mostly it was more of a conversational style of, of, of uh, conducting and administering the survey. Um, for some of the surveys, uh, we made them available in paper format and provided them to service providers. Uh, the library had some, and different providers' offices, as well as online. So we wanted to make sure that people, that people who may not have been included because of a, a digital divide or not being available or not present at some of the, the events had an ample opportunity to participate. And so our numbers, we're not showing them tonight, but it's reflective of the dem demographic breakdown of the city of West Hollywood. And that's for every, every wave that we've done of the survey. Okay. 
Um, so, oh. Can you go back two slides? So this one is, uh, how comfortable are you asking your new sex partners about your HIV status before having sex? Um, you could see, for those living with HIV, it went from 71% to 79%. Uh, Derek mentioned U equals U. Uh, we believe that the U equals U, uh, undetectable means untransmissible, um, campaign really helped reduce stigma and made people more comfortable having those conversations. And, and if there are more direct questions after this, happy to, to field those. But we can see that with um, this slide and the next one. If you go to the next slide, please. So it went from, for those living with HIV, 79% at the beginning of this uh, initiative to 92% to over that period of time, which is quite a jump uh, in terms of feeling comfort both asking in the previous slide and then revealing one's HIV status. Next slide, please. And then finally, uh, when we just asked, what is your experience with stigma, uh, HIV-related stigma for those living with HIV, um, the reduction went from, in the beginning of the evaluation period, 34% down to 24%. And, um, Typically, where people expressed feeling stigmatized with uh, their HIV status was in dating situations um, and job-related situations. Uh, next slide, please. Um, so the accomplishments um, so far with this initiative, as um, Dr. Silas mentioned, is increasing the health care coverage among men who are at the greatest risk of HIV, the reduced HIV diagnoses among that same group, and then also across the board, the decline in AIDS diagnoses, the decrease in HIV-related deaths, and the reduction of um, stigma and disparity. Absolutely. Next slide. So now the future. Um, of where the city plans to go with uh, this HIV Zero in, uh, initiative. Um, over the past few years, uh, city staff have worked with um, the county and the commission on HIV, the, the LA County Commission on HIV, to make sure that there is greater alignment with the city's agenda initiatives and social services contracts and with uh, the ending the HIV epidemic, which is what the county's uh, model is. Um, the city had had HIV Zero Initiative first, so we, we <laughs> I like to think that it informed and influenced what they do, but there's a lot of uh, collaboration, and you can see just the one-to-one -one comparison, uh, HIV Zero Initiative on the left to the Los Angeles County ending the HIV epidemic on the right. And I won't go through all of those, but just suffice to say there has been concerted effort to make sure that the, um, the two uh, plans are in alignment. Um, the previous uh, city councilor, Parvath, was sat on that commission, uh, the HIV zero, I mean HIV, the county's commission task force, thank you, to make sure that that integration uh, occurred. Uh, next slide, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, greatly appreciated. Um, in great 
data, I mean Vice Chair of Balbona, I know you are definitely a data person more than I am. I'm a visual person, so I appreciate that. You know, there's always room for improvement. And again, because of what I see online and the demographics actually mirrors what you have here. Obviously, I've been omitted my age group, but you know, it is what it is. Um, are we doing everything we can to inform the Gen Z population and the millennial population? Because, you know, I talk to a lot of guys that their paws are detected. Um, and they go on sexually feeling, you know, they don't need to use condoms, you know, this gives them a right to passage. And again, this isn't pause shaming anyone, but I just want to make sure we're doing everything we can to prevent people from getting to that point. It's a hard question for public health um, people because my answer is no. There's always more that can be done. Um, you know, what's interesting is from the Sigma survey, we didn't share this slide, but um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we asked people, you know, what were you more concerned of, COVID-19 or HIV? And COVID-19 was, the, you know, the biggest, of course, but there's very little kind of concern about HIV, which was a little kind of concerning for us looking at that. Um, but, but yes, there's always more that can be done in terms of public information campaigns, always that can be more that can be done in terms of funding. Um, our funding only covers so much, so we do need the county, we do need our federal partners to be involved. Um, but, but yes, I, there is, and uh, there's more work for other kind of um, community partners, boards, and commissions to do as well. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I would just say there's always more to do. Um, at the same time, what the city is doing and has done is, is very remarkable, um, and including making sure that the the contract the contracted the contract service providers who perhaps pr primarily were working more siloed prior to the evaluate or to the initiative have come together more for collaboration. I believe as a result of the HIV zero initiative. So there's a lot of collaborative work and. Uh, Oh no, I was just also gonna say un unhoused community members, I think, are usually the ones that are forgotten when it comes to HIV prevention and care. Um, they're the ones that have the most negative impacts when they are um, living with HIV. Um, so there's definitely room for improvement there too. Absolutely. Um, before I throw it, because I know some of other commissioners might have questions, but I wanna make sure, um, because you mentioned gay men, I like to say gay, queer, and bisexual, but are we also focused on our trans community or even um, people that are FTM? Definitely, our investments in uh, trans services have increased quite a bit, especially in this past um, contract cycle. 
um, our contract with the Trans-Latino Coalition um, is um, one that I'm very proud of. Um, we not only offer kind of peer case management through them, but also it's a drop-in center, it's a safe space. They also have shelter. Uh, they provide uh, medical services at the Trans Wellness Center. They can connect people. Um, so, so I think in that aspect, we are doing um, uh, much more than we've done in the past. Um, and in addition to that, there is now our street medicine team who has a lot of experience working with transgender community members, unhoused transgender community members, and provided gender-affirming gender care, HIV treatment, vaccinations, um, just you name it, they can provide it. Okay, thank you. Commissioners, any questions? Commissioner Seal. Thank you, Chair. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you for the presentation. I know we kept you waiting quite a while, so thank you for your patience. Um, this was really, really fantastic. Just so well thought out, clearly executed. Um, I just love the work. And I also love seeing the connectivity and collaboration with the contract service providers. It's such an important part. Um, and to see, I think it lends itself for us to look at other areas, how we can do better there and how we can expand on what we do. Because I think the silo thing is something that we run into so many times. And then before you know it, you've got five groups working on one thing. There's no clear messaging and we all know where that goes. So um, I'm also thrilled to see the city's expanded report, uh, support in general to the Translatina Coalition. I support them and love uh, their work. Um, and it was really interesting to see the, you know, the U equals U and the undetectable and all of these things are things I've been hearing more and more in community, not knowing where it was coming from, right? And so I'm like, oh yeah, I've, these are the terms I'm hearing, this is how, and I think it's just so wonderful to understand um, just from a holistic perspective across the board how this comes to fruition and how we hear it real time in community and how important it is to have the work um, handled this way. I think it's just tremendous. Um, I didn't realize it came from a campaign. Of course, I know the pickup. It's just having that big view was really uh, wonderful. So thank you. You mentioned that paper forms were left in the library and there were other alternative options for folks to participate. Um, do you have any either data or just like an approximation of how many folks took advantage of alternative options um, so we can utilize that for other efforts? We, we did not... Um... We did not collate in that in that way as a as a as a metric, but that is data that we have available because we there are markers for surveys that were completed by online versus a tablet versus paper. So that is something that we can make available. the The percentage was lower, um, as it typically is when we're when we're administering surveys. There's always much more engagement uh, when we have a surveyor out there working with. Uh, with community members who reflect the community. That's yeah, I think we can really use that as um, a template and ways to look at how we activate other types of work and surveys and things like that. I think it's really, um, really strong. If I could add just one thing to that too, what I found successful was the tablet, going out with the tablet and offering incentives. That was the most um, successful. We've tried online. I mean, the paper surveys were great when we were tabling um, at locations and we didn't have the tablet, um, but that was, the, that was the best and most accessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also just wanted to add, I loved your comment about 
you know, the city being first. I think it's something that we pride ourselves on. We pride ourselves on the, the progress that we bring um, and the way that we show others how to activate um, specifically in regard to the LGBTQ community. It's just so massively important, so I'm appreciative. And I also just wanna finally um, thank Chair for bringing this and thank you for sharing your story and a piece of your life with us as well. Um, Commissioners, any other questions? I just had a question. It looks like the insurance rates are going up, which is good. But what I thought was interesting is for HIV negative men, the comfort with talking with their doctors about their sex lives is going down. Is it because more people have insurance and they're just not comfortable yet having those conversations? Because that seems to be a, an avenue that may need to get some education. I, or is it different providers that have popped up that maybe they're not comfortable because the providers aren't engaging in the right way? I think that to, to fully answer that question, we would have to do another wave. And the last time we did a wave was so close to and during the, the, the pandemic where it was still, people were really fearful of even kind of going to their providers. Um, I'm not comfortable drawing a, a strong conclusion about that because there was greater comfort among HIV negative uh, participants in almost all of the waves up until the last two so it years. It could have been a COVID thing. It could have been a COVID thing. For yes. Their COVID exposure situation. Right. Got it. Okay. I, Thank I can you. I just state just anecdotally yes. from being, representing the city on the HIV commission. This is something that um, our commission talks about a lot. And it seems as if, and, and not the providers that we collaborate with as a city, and not the ones that are receiving federal and state funds for HIV care, but the other ones that are private, privately insured, um, it seems like there is um, a lack of comfort discussing um, issues around sex and sexuality, especially when it comes to LGBT folks. So um, there definitely needs to be more work done there. Okay. Thank you. If I could add as well, I know with um, you know many of the people that that, we, that I engage with, there's often conversations about. Oh, I didn't even know I could get prep. I didn't know that there was a, a funder for prep. I didn't know that this was uh, available. Prep being pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is the medication that if someone's taking, it reduces their capacity to get HIV. And so, along with what Derek is saying, in terms of in addition to the providers maybe not being as knowledgeable, some of the new providers. Um, or comfortable having the conversations, they may not also be knowledgeable of what uh, the compendium of, of uh, biomedical resources that are available to someone for free or low cost. So is there something that can be done um, so that awareness is broadened? Absolutely, yeah, there's, there's always something that can be done. There, there can be a campaign, there could be more effort, there could be uh, looking at some of the current social services providers and maybe expanding that one aspect of one of their contracts. Um, definitely recommend going to the hearing uh, on the 23rd of February. I hope I got that right, it's February 23rd. It's a hearing on um, PrEP and PEP that is being organized by Community Legislative Affairs, which was initiated by Councilmember Erickson. Um, we are taking the testimonies, we're taking testimonies from community members on access to PrEP and PEP and other preventative services uh, to see kind of what the challenges are, to see where we need to increase access points. Um, it seems that pharmacies uh, might be key, especially 
when it comes to post-exposure prophylaxis. If someone's exposed at midnight on Friday, they could walk into any CVS and get post-exposure prophylaxis instead of waiting till Monday. The, the, the state law, as it reads, pharmacies are allowed to do that, but not many are participating in it. So um, increasing those access points is another thing that we can do either through legislation or through kind of more community awareness. Um, commissioners, any other questions? I just want to say thank you. That was a really informative presentation. Thank you for having us. I just wanted to add that as it relates to the other work that we do at this body, you know, we've um, had some folks, some community members come to us. We've had a trans man who was assaulted and then who was not offered PEP uh, at or, or Plan B, which is obviously part of the larger dialogue, like Chair mentioned. Um, and so with some of the challenges with just transitioning and competency in, in healthcare. So um, really important to continue that dialogue. And that's why it's so important to let folks know. And if we can expand our support and let people know where they can access these, I'm all for supporting that effort. So. Yes, gentlemen, thank you very much. And again, thank you for being patient um, as we work through an issue here this evening, but a very important one. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Um, our next item, let's push through everyone. Um, items from staff. Are there any additional updates? Um, there, there is, uh, Chair, and thank you, um, uh, Chair, Vice Chair, members of the Public Safety Commission, Danny Rivas, Director of Community Safety for the City of West Hollywood. Um, I will try to go through this as quickly as possible, but I wanted to touch on, obviously, some of the comments and, and things that were made early on and provide as much of, uh, of an update, brief update as I can, because I know everybody's a little a little fatigued. We've, we've gone uh, a little bit late, but it's 949 and we're plowing through, right? So um, if you guys have any questions or anything after the, after this as well, you know, feel free to, to reach out. Um, I have on the screen um, more or less the summary uh, based off of our November meeting where we did have, right, the, the nighttime safety uh, follow-up. We did bring an item before the Public Safety Commission and what you're seeing before you is actually one, two, three, four, five. Uh, five bullet points uh, that uh, the commission wanted to convey uh, to the city council that went before them on December 19th uh, of last year. Um, and so uh, the reason why I wanted to uh, highlight these and mention these is because I know this was some of what came up uh, early on by uh, Vice, Chair, Vice Chair Balbone and Commissioner Steele, uh, distribu uh, distri distribution right of the GHB uh, drink uh, spike test strips, uh, no less than six times per year with emphasis on distribution efforts, uh, primarily in June uh, during Pride and, and October and Halloween. Um, and then one of the uh, other items was developing or enhancing uh, sexual assault victim advocacy programs um, that are not law enforcement uh, related to improve support and resources for victims. So I know Commissioner still uh, articulate that in a little bit of a different way, but I think this speaks to that, creating a liaison or some method or way, right, to, um, to help uh, folks uh, that have been victims. Um, and, and I think this could uh, obviously potentially be expanded even to folks uh, outside of just uh, sexual assault, which I know was the focus of this. So, um, And then the last bullet point, and I didn't read the first two, but I know you guys are reading that anyways on the screen, is creating a sexual assault and nightlife safety task force or advisory board that meets at least four times a year. 
Um, so I'm just gonna scroll a little further on down. There was um, some additional comments, other, other comments from individual commissioners included requests for more clarity on communications plan related to victim advocacy, communications and marketing, ensuring uh, the spectrum of the LGBTQ plus individuals are included in materials, um, and a remark reflecting disappointment um, in, in the time that it took to distribute uh, the drink spiking test strips. Um, there are a number of other advisory boards uh, that participated all um, that were um, included as a part of the um, a nightlife study session um, that was held with the city council. Um, and then there's a segment uh, of the staff report um, that uh, provides a summary of responses. And I'm gonna get close to uh, the last paragraph here. Um, and the reason why I wanted to make mention of this is because uh, staff recommended that the Public Safety Commission um, incorporate nighttime safety into its work plan and dedicate at minimum two regular meetings per year focused on this topic, which will allow representatives from other advisory boards to participate. So this was something that the City Council did approve um, as part of that. And so I think as we're looking at in the future, near future, developing a work plan um, and calendar and events, um, I will just propose putting something together based off of what I'm seeing. Um, there was an attachment um, that's quite lengthy um, to this staff report that outlined all of the different um, specific uh, uh, initiatives and um, uh, actions, or I should say, you know, follow through, right, of what, uh, what came out of that, uh, out of that meeting. And so I think it's important for the commission, if you haven't already, um, to view this. Uh, again, this is online. This was attached uh, to the December 19th um, city council meeting. And I'm just, you know, kind of zooming out so that you can see exactly where it's located um, on the agenda it's as 4D and happy to send you all a link um, to that, uh, following that, but um, this more or less gives the staff report items and then attachment A, which I have now up on the screen, outlines um, all of uh, the different questions and segments. So these are all things that you had already seen prior for it going to the city council, um, but essentially uh, the city council did uh, adopt um, uh, these uh, responses and any direction that um, was provided um, at that time. Um, the other uh, item uh, that uh, was asked and was actually reported on um, was uh, our semi-annual uh, community safety update. Um, and so uh, we did provide a memo uh, receiving up-to-date information from the West Hollywood Sheriff Station regarding sexual assault. Um, and so we updated that the same day, actually, that it went to the city council. And here's a memo um, outlining that. Um, all of this, again, is viewable online. Um, and I am just gonna try to scroll down uh, the lengthy report um, to the segment, because I know that was asked. And so I will be working with um, Sergeant Duran um, and the West Hollywood Sheriff Station to get updated information um, for December. Um, to include into the drink spiking uh, report. And I know I'm getting close. Give me a second here. Yes, this is it. Uh, so page 40, 33 of 46 um, 
on the attachment uh, lists um, as Appendix uh, 1H, um, and it goes back to 2016, um, and uh, it lists for that calendar year uh, more or less um, the uh, uh, rape and or uh, theft, uh, uh, the result, uh, whether or not it occurred at a private residence um, or a local business, um, and uh, 2021, and then you're seeing um, 2022 um, in terms of the data, um, noting that 2022, um, this does not include uh, December uh, information. Um, and so I wanted to make uh, mention of that um, to the commission, um, and I believe there was an asterisk or a note uh, year to date. So yeah, so th this was at the time um, uh, on as of December 19th, it included information. So um, I don't think it included anything in December again, uh, make mention of that, but uh, we'll certainly work with uh, the West Hollywood Sheriff Station to provide additional information. Um, but this is viewable. This was attached again to the staff report. It was presented to the city council um, and I will forward this uh, on over um, to the commission um, as well. Give me a second here. Um, I also had um, an update as part of that um, item. We also received uh, an update from our social services division who oversees the contract uh, with the uh, Los Angeles LGBT uh, Center's We Hold Life uh, program. And so this was another memo um, that was sent and it included information regarding um, uh, the uh, GHB uh, test strip uh, distribution efforts. Um, the uh, LGBT center does report on information on a quarterly basis. Um, and so this was the last update that, uh, that the city council um, received. And my understanding is the next update is, is due in March. Um, I don't know if that'll be the beginning or the tail end, but again, this is um, attached to the item. Um, it is uh, providing uh, an overview of kind of their uh, distribution um, efforts. Um, that includes um, uh, all of the businesses uh, that they have distributed uh, testing strips uh, to, uh, both in the Rainbow District, um, as well as the Sunset Strip and uh, any clinical uh, locations as well. Um, and so obviously this uh, update will be expanded upon um, giving more uh, current uh, numbers um, when we get closer to March or whether it be at the end of March, but I'll be sure to touch basis with uh, social services division to see when that um, next update would be provided. And as soon as that is, uh, I will make a note as well to make sure that we pass that on to uh, the Public Safety Commission as well. Um, and I think as we look at the calendar ahead um, and outline some uh, events and uh, dedicated meetings, um, you know, we definitely will be working with the West Hollywood Sheriff Station um, and uh, the LGBT Center to make sure that we're getting updates right that are consistent so that we can include that obviously in those, um, in those discussions. Um, the other um, update that I wanted to provide is uh, an update from uh, the Center for Policing Equity. Um, so we did receive uh, an update uh, on the 19th of, of last month um, concerning their uh, community engagement uh, efforts. 
um, and I'll also be forwarding this information to, to the commission as well. Um, but essentially, uh, they had mentioned as of the 19th of last month um, that their community engagement team has met with 12 West Hollywood community members, um, six West Hollywood community organizations, uh, three West Hollywood city council members, um, two West Hollywood serving social service agencies. Um, I didn't get any more specific detailed information in terms of who exactly that was, but this was more or less just a summary. Um, through these meetings, uh, their main objective was to ensure that the West Hollywood community, uh, community uh, understands what the Justice Navigator Assessment is and how it can be used. Um, it also included gaining an understanding of how community members are experiencing policing and public safety in West Hollywood, uh, as well as gaining an understanding of community sentiments regarding block by block. Um, it also um, identified community members' main public safety issues of concern, um, and then lastly, identifying solutions that community believes will improve public safety in West Hollywood. Um, some of the themes that they reported um, after conducting uh, that outreach uh, involved uh, nightlife safety um, is a major issue of concern for vulnerable community members, uh, specifically date rape drugs and sexual assault. Um, in addition to that, it included homelessness and considerations for unhoused community members um, are also issues of concern. Um, there were resident concerns over shelters and affordable housing units being built near their homes. Um, a lack of support and responsiveness from West Hollywood station uh, officers to LGBTQ plus community members who are victims of intimate partner violence um, and general satisfaction with block by block, but some concerns regarding staff training. So again, that's just a summary of some of the input and feedback um, that, uh, that they had provided and communicated. Um, and I will be sure to follow up to get any additional information um, in terms of their outreach and more or less what, uh, what they're included uh, uh, in the report. Um, for next steps, um, they're planning to uh, target uh, not yet reached populations for outreach. Um, they provided some examples of that, um, including sex workers, um, seniors, um, and the Russian uh, Jewish community members. Um, in addition to that, they're gonna be continuing to identify themes from community conversations um, and building out community-led recommendations. So um, my understanding is, you know, they, they're still in the uh, phase of not only still performing the outreach, but also working through the justice uh, navigator process. Um, the idea is that uh, we would be seeing, and I think Commissioner still had mentioned that, um, getting uh, a draft or a report um, by the second quarter uh, of this calendar year, um, you know, whether that's in the beginning or the end, but I'll be sure to keep uh, the commission updated um, in terms of that. And then of course, we had the note about including that in our work plan in the future, right, for the commission. So um, so I just wanted to provide those, uh, those updates. Um, and then you heard a number of other items that I'll just breeze through. Um, we did uh, coordinate with our recreation division um, to host uh, the first uh, CPR training. Um, it went extremely well. I believe it was uh, two Saturdays ago. Uh, Jessica actually worked um, uh, very uh, well in coordinating uh, with uh, the different divisions 
decisions and um, and getting partners um, uh, involved in that and, and scheduling you know the facility we had it here at West Hollywood Park um, I, I know uh, chair Hallman was there um, in attendance and so um, we had I think what almost 34 33 uh, folks that had signed up um, and we had uh, I think about 24 25 that actually came tested out so I mean huge success um, we have not uh, put anything on regarding that um, in the past, and so we're looking at continuing that effort. Um, it is free of cost, uh, free of charge, and, and so we're looking to offer that hopefully in another three, uh, three to four months. Um, and then in addition to that, we're working with uh, the fire department on putting another round of the CERT training. Um, together as well um, and assisting in, in scheduling that. And that is looking at uh, maybe spring, um, so just around the corner of this calendar year as well. Um, we did have a business safety meeting um, uh, on the 22nd of December um, with all of our uh, business owners and heads of security and general managers. Um, the plan is to have a quarterly meeting uh, based off of that discussion with all of them. Uh, we are working on a way to try to create some uh, technology or app-based uh, method of communicating uh, when there are incidents. Um, we are coming across some challenges um, with that, um, but uh, you know we're gonna work through um, and get some more input and feedback at our next uh, business safety session, which we plan again on having those on a quarterly basis. Um, and that was the ask and input and feedback that we received from the business community. So we'll see where we're at um, in the next meeting. Um, and we have a couple of ideas that we're looking into, but I'll definitely update uh, the commission on that. Um, we also met with our neighborhood watch and resident associations just last month. I know Chair Hallman uh, also serves as captain of the East uh, Neighborhood uh, Watch uh, group. Um, and we had a number of, of folks that were uh, representative there, um, very successful, a lot of input and feedback. Um, we're also meeting with them on a quarterly basis. Um, that was something that we had asked in terms of, hey, do you want us to meet on a monthly basis, bi-monthly basis, and essentially keeping it quarterly, uh, continuing to offer it virtual, uh, it makes it a little more convenient for folks, um, but we may start integrating some in-person uh, meetings as well, which I know is, is, is a huge ask. Um, and last meeting, we did have our West Hollywood Sheriff Station and block by block uh, team members provide a presentation in terms of updates, and uh, we received a lot of positive input and feedback um, from them as well. Um, and then active shooter training is something that um, I know uh, Sergeant Duran had mentioned that we are are uh, working with the station on in terms of them offering it to the business community, um, but we are also gonna be offering that to the community as a whole, and I think I may have touched on that earlier. It's a little bit of a blur uh, right now, but um, I, I wanted everybody to rest assured that um, you know we're working with a consultant um, that uh, does our um, active shooter training for city staff um, at all the different city facilities. Um, we did that last year. We're doing it again this year. Um, it was very well received. We plan on doing that on an annual basis. And so this year we asked, hey, would you be able to expand that further and um, have an event that's open for the entire community to attend? Um, and so we were able to, to do that. So we plan on doing that um, in the beginning of March. Um, and so March is gonna be uh, pretty busy with the different trainings uh, that we're gonna be offering. And then we're also looking at, after the West Hollywood Sheriff Station works with the business community and uh, provides the active shooter, is doing maybe um, some scenario-based um, training 
training that's that's open not just to uh, businesses but to the community as a whole. Um, and looking at West Hollywood Park or some other facility that would allow us to uh, to do that. And that's going to take a lot of coordination, a lot of moving parts, um, and we certainly want to make sure that we're marketing that. So um, once we get done with March and the training, um, we'll be looking at doing that hopefully before Pride, um, if we can, um, uh, just in anticipation, obviously, with the large volumes of crowds. So. Um, we will also lastly uh, be working on providing low cost pet vaccination clinic. Um, we provided those uh, throughout uh, last calendar year and worked with the partner as well as SPCLA that we have a contract with. And so we're looking to provide that as well. And we've been doing them at Plummer Park uh, mainly, but we're gonna try to rotate it now between Plummer Park and West Hollywood Park um, and offering that every two to three months throughout this calendar year. So certainly push that out as well. And we do a, a marketing press release associated with that. So that concludes my comments and I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, commissioners, any questions? I have one question. Um, that was a great update and there's lots going on. So thank you, Danny. Um, on the Center for Policing Equity and the people they're meeting with, are they also identifying business partners to meet with, people who run businesses here? And then when we think about residents, we've got renters whose safety concerns are a little different than homeowners. So are they trying to mix it up from those groups as well? Yeah, my understanding is they're mixing it up with all the groups. I definitely know that they um, have already met or they will be meeting with business uh, owners. Um, and businesses, um, and I can certainly ask about the, the resident uh, or tenant aspect, which is much different to your point than a homeowner yeah. perspective. There's um, different issues, and I think we want to hear both because renters have issues with landlords and homeowners have different issues with you know their property and securing it potentially, and I just think it would be good to really hear everybody. So awesome, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, commissioners, any other questions? I do. Thank you. Um, so, first of all, thank you for your work, and thank you, Jessica. I know it's a massive, uh, massive amount happening. Um, on the CPE, so we had asked for kind of a breakdown of what that work was going to be. As you know, we've dialogued about it, right? Um, and we haven't seen that. And what I'm, what I'd like to know, and I can offline with you on this, and I'll send you something bulleted before the chair murders me. Um, but I want to get a real picture of what the target is. What is our target for this? Because the numbers that were cited there, 12 residents, six members, I think it was three businesses, that gets us less than 24, right? And so we just heard a study of 2,200. Now that's a larger, lengthier process, but if we're gonna have something that looks and is equitable, we need to make sure that they're covering all parts of the city, homeowners and residents, business owners, et cetera. So I'd like to just get more on that, but I will, I'll email you if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely, please, okay. yeah. Okay. Commissioners, anyone else? We're good. All right, thank you, Director Rivas, for quite the comprehensive update. Sure. Um, our next item, um, Commission Secretary, do we have any public comments? Um, we have no public comments. Yeah. All right, thank you. Um, items from commissioners. Uh, commissioners, do you have any additional comments at this time? I just want to go on record saying that um, when we talked about the work that was done on the um, RFP, 
staff did an amazing job pulling information together in an incredibly short period of time, and that is not lost, I don't think, on anyone here. The concern is the speed may not be in pace with the community, but I appreciate everything that was done, and at least I can speak for my comments, but I also think for my colleagues, there is no concern about transparency or intent from staff. We just want to make sure that community is comfortable and everybody in the community is comfortable and aware and feels like they've got some fingerprints on it for those who want the fingerprints. So I just wanted to say that and reflect that because this was not a small effort. So not an attack on the effort, not an attack on anything that the city staff has done. We very much appreciate you. Thank you, and I'll definitely pass that on to the collective team. It was a, a team effort um, in terms of that, so I'll definitely pass that on. Thank you. All right, um, commissioners, anything additional? Well, it is 10-12. Um, we are adjourned until our next meeting on March 13th, where we will address the very serious issue at hand. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night. coronavirus where you can find tips to help you stay well